welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's happening, Carnage fans, along with Paul Roshan? And Ryan Griffin. I am Matt Basson. No Dylan Bear tonight. Uh, the man is in the process of moving on up to the oh, east side. Oh, oh, oh. Bigger and you're better not, things. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that. I didn't give the address. Also, I didn't tell people side. where he lives. Shut it's up. moving the from point. the east side. <laughs> moving on up out of the east side then. But you know he's going to I don't he's think, that's, I don't think that's how the Jeffersons team went. He's going to be like, personal. He's always he's upset. Per- that's true. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, he's always upset. So we just you know, missed Dylan. Be a little it's upset. Right. He tried. We did try to get him. It just uh, we are not technologically as sound as we. Well, he tried to. Would be. And there was some self sabotage. Don't get a Chromebook, Te- folks. You can't record te- with it. Technical people. difficulties. <laughs> Big technical difficulties. How do you not want a laptop in today's day and age? I only have desktops. Right. Like, okay, you can't move anywhere then. We need to, we need to talk about that next Don, week. We Don, need to have Don's like an intervention. Like, there's Don, no Don reason. Just a Chromebook. In 2019, to not own a laptop. <laughs> Don take, figured take, out how to record that Take one, some man. of the millions that you've made the past couple months and buy a real goddamn laptop. All right. So, we've got a big week of college football, especially for Spartan fans. We know where we're going this weekend, and we'll get to that. But we have to talk about what went down Sunday in Motown, where the Detroit Lions did everything they possibly could to win a great football game against a great team. And again, some shenanigans were involved. Some self-inflicted wounds, <coughs> fourth and eight, uh, were involved. And once again, despite looking the better team for the majority of Sunday afternoon, the Detroit Lions lost their first game of the season. Paul, you j- were at the game, so you weren't around on the chat when I was losing my damn mind to nobody. Ryan wasn't saying a damn thing. Dylan wasn't saying a damn thing. Don wasn't saying a damn thing. It's just me ranting and raving about the Lions, which was very depressing. Thanks for leaving me hanging, guys. But you were at Driving the game. back, baby, from Kalamazoo, <laughs> trying to get some uh, oh, truckers right. to honk their horns. Cereal town. <laughs> uh, but, Paul, you were there. You experienced this debacle in person. So how did you feel walking out of Ford Field? Well, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't really talk. I will say, can you imagine the highs and lows? Just put yourself in my I shoes can. for a second. I actually can because I was at a game because that was kind of Because I've never been at a game where emotionally you yo-yoed so much in just such wild time. I mean, the reviews were insanity. And there were so, so many reviews. And none of them seemed to go our way. We were corner end zone. And we were pretty close to the field so first touchdown Galladay the first one that was stolen from us we had an exceptional view of that like a nice ref's eye view of that and then they played it nice on the big board for us please correct me if I'm wrong if you have possession of a ball in bounds in the field of play in the end zone at any point that is a touchdown in the NFL correct that is in my mind I mean I, mean, I think you have to finish the play I don't know what the rule is, but he was still the moving. The play is done when you have possession and two feet in. That's he didn't have possession. He's still if, going if, down. If, if you, there is no going down. There is. So if you have He's two hands on a ball, 
So say you catch it, right, and you have two hands on the ball, and then the defender knocks it out of your hands, and you're still moving and wrestling with them. That's an incomplete pass. Well, you never have possession of the ball. You, if you, if you, you catch a ball. No, if you catch a ball in the end zone, and it gets punched out, there's no fumble. You just have a touchdown. Right, but he, he didn't catch it. They said he didn't catch he the did ball. He did catch it. That actually That's a happened problem. this, this weekend as well, it. though. In the, uh, I think it might have been the, it was it the Patriots game? There was a game where there was a catch in the end zone, and it was punched out at the very last second. But they call it a touchdown. No, and they it's did a not. That wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't called a touchdown. You got to finish the play. It's called a complete pass. I'm thinking that's, that's how I've always thought of the rule. And obviously, I don't have the they, rule book in front changed, of me. You have to finish the, the play. Same. They've completely changed the catch and end zone rules. They've changed all of it. It's absurd. It's not just if you have two hands on the ball, though. The most upsetting part of that one is that they called it a touchdown on the field. That's where I was pissed. Because you could, just leave it. Whatever you called it, no just leave it. Because the there wasn't enough either way. That you could possibly say that was indisputable. No, and that's so what, that was my problem. There. You have on Johnson laying on his freaking back. Butts right, down, that one you butt, didn't butt see. On no, somebody, it wasn't. Elbow down, no, back not, down. But that's, but that's what you didn't see because you were there at the game. He was on top of defenders. Every part of his body that could count as down was not down on the ground when he reached that ball forward, which is an entire microcosm because of what happened with Galladay, and they're trying so, to do more so now. So answer me this. How on God was his forward progress not stopped? It was. But he tried to reach out. So he's second. down. But they didn't blow it. He's. That's what I'm saying. Well, no, he you made that second effort. I'm. Say- I'm looking at the video right now because I was. Uh, like, this man concerned is about it in a in a convoluted just mass orgy of bodies. He's not going anywhere. He's going nowhere. And isn't there a rule in football? You that's don't not, reach out when you're on your true. back. You only reach out when you're on your front. He's carry on Johnson. You gotta give him a break. He's not that smart. He's going forward, and he's being pulled forward and pushed forward, and he's still going down. He reaches the ball out. He's not hitting the ground yet. Then it just kind of drops. I don't know if it gets punched out, but the ball just kind of falls before he hits the ground. Look, it hits a helmeted defender when he's reaching it out because he can't see where he's reaching because he's on his freaking back. Which is why you don't reach out when you are on your back because you can't see what you're Not reaching into. Play. You reach out and the ball hits a helmet so of a defender. They got a guy sitting on their knee in the end zone who picks up the ball, who somehow wasn't touched by a defender at any point. No, Kenny does a ole move at him. So that's, that's what kind of pisses me off is when Kenny goes to try and tackle him. Right, the referee like gets in front of him. Like the referees look like they are coming in to blow the play dead. And then when Kenny goes and, like, does his little arm thing, the guy kind of stops running for a minute, and a referee is literally, like, setting a pick on Galladay, and then whoever the defender is just bolts to the end zone, and the re- and Kenny's, like, trying to get around the ref. If so the ref thought team, the play was dead, too, and then... Is that that play's not blown dead? Oh, no. I don't that know. play is blown dead if it's I mean, on team. Throw it back to college a couple weeks ago. Army and Michigan, and it, it almost mattered in a big way. Like, I, I like that they let the play... Stand yes, and play right out. Th- it's the, this is what but happened with the Saints. Not ago if the Rams, where they blew not if they the refs are already indicating that the play is dead. And I know they didn't blow the whistle, but they certainly ran in like, "Hey, we're about like to set up for the next whistle. play." And, and that's the problem. And I've I've been adamant about this before. You should never blow a ter- potential turnover dead because you can review it. Right. Never blow a potential, which I'm fine so with. Many times. But as Ryan said perfectly, you can't run into the play. You have to maintain your normal referee position of observance and not affecting the goddamn play. 
to which everybody on the field stops moving. I mean, legitimately, KC at first was like half-hearted, like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah, everyone stopped. And then they he's the like, yeah, done. I guess I'm going to yeah, run. Even, the, even the runner, even Breland, after, after Kenny made like the, the arm a tackle attempt, if you want to call it that, he just slowed up for a minute, and then he just because he probably didn't hear that a was James Harden defense right there by Kenny Galladay. I mean, it was just Picture it was just James absolutely defense. absurd. So there's 14 point swing, seven on the Galladay. You got 21 points right there, and you can argue both of them, but Galladay. Well, you a you wouldn't have field. scored. I'll say you wouldn't have scored both the touchdowns, so it's not 21. Ga- Galladay's called the touchdown on the way. field. You, you can't possibly overturn that. That's absurd. But I don't know. So one, like, if if the Chiefs if the opposite play would have happened and they would have given the touchdown to the Chiefs and it was like the exact same situation, I probably would have been pissed. The one that has, I wouldn't have been upset at all, not even a little bit. The one that has not gotten as much attention, that is the most egregious to me, is the Chiefs game-winning touchdown when clearly in the stadium you could see it, and I'm sure you guys at home saw it very well, his knee was down well short of the goal line. Like, he was clearly bending backwards away from the goal line with his knee sitting on the goddamn ground. It, it, there's no no justification in the world that you could say he possibly could have got to the goal line. His knee is sitting on the turf. On TV, it looked like he was being held up because that's one of the touchdowns I did see because, like I said, I was coming home from Kalamazoo. I probably caught the last uh, – probably like the last full quarter. But it looked like he was being held up. Who's, was I'm, it I'm Daniel not I literally walked out of the out of the room after they got down to the goal line area because I knew I knew the writing was on the wall. And I'm like, I'm not Damn watching this. I'm too angry. So we had in all these plays were reviewed. We got a touchdown at the end that was even reviewed, and we were just with bated breath for an hour on Galladay's toe tap, which was an absolutely Ooh. insane definition of toe tap. That you was, can't get closer than that. That was wild. That was. I don't even know if that was a tap. That was a graze the grass with the bottom of my shoe before it goes out of bounds. And that's one that you had to have the call on the field. That's one that you couldn't overturn either way. Well, I think it was pretty clear he tapped it or dragged it. Or tapped it and then dragged it. It is barely, but it was still clear because it's either on the blue or it's on the white. It was about as clear as Josh Allen getting speared with the helmet. No, no, we ain't doing this. No, that was Josh Allen's fault. Do not uh-huh. bring that into this. Uh-huh. Don't all right, anyway, lower your head. Not to muddy this. So we had just all sorts of officiating debacle. And when I, that's not even to get into the ridiculous pass interferences. And that's, I take it back. And not the face the most masks. Egregious. The there most were multiple egregious, face masks that were not called for us. The most egregious thing was not the touchdown at the end. The most egregious thing was the Lions' Hail Mary. And Marvin Jones is next to where the ball lands and legitimately – gets tackled on the last one that didn't make it to the end zone or the first one (laughs) the last one the very last one the one that landed like a yard in front of the end zone two yards in front of the end zone so we should have had the ball within the five yard line with one more shot at the end zone there was just a comedy of officiating errors and listening to dip twit in new york come out and say after the game will we official hail mary's different that's one of the most uh, it's true, Which but it's one why? of the most absurd why? statements. Why? Is it not and a you, football play? And you Is guys know how many times have I harped on that. It's extremely upsetting to me. I think it's ridiculous because the rule book doesn't allot different rules for the end of the game or desperation heaves. 
The rules do not change, and it's ridiculous that we call them. But when you have, even if you're going to say, well, we're going to let a little bit more go. It's the end of the game. We'll let a little more physicality go as a rule. This man got tackled. This man actually had a play at the ball, could have caught the ball. Was he getting in the end zone? Probably not, but that's not the point. He actually had a chance to catch the ball and was tackled while the ball was in the air. How do you not throw the flag and give him one more shot? And it's, it's just a comedy of errors, and that's what happens to the Lions. The face mask that they didn't call. The did, did you see? Did you see was who was back? Out? Did you see who was back to his old face guarding ways? Who? Big time was it Anthony Hitchens? He was the one who uh, face guarded Pettigrew oh, yeah, in the yeah, Dallas yeah, playoff yeah, yeah. game. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. did the same never, thing never here. Throw a flag on it. Who was it? Was it Snacks who was getting choked on that last yeah. touchdown at the goal line that they yeah. just don't call holding? I mean, you have a guy literally in a chokehold. So it is what it is. And, and everyone says, oh, it's a loser's mentality to blame the officials, blah, 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 blah. And I've always thought it's stupid. So it's one thing if Detroit blamed the officials against Miami. They were in a tight game with Miami for whatever reason, and the officials cost them a win. Because you can point back and say, you know, Miami's an all-time bad team. You can't be in that game with them. But if you're – I don't care how good you are. You're in a game against Kansas City, one of the best teams in the NFL, a team with Super Bowl aspirations. Those games, if you play, if both teams play remotely clean games, are always going to come down to a couple plays. They're always going to come down to a couple things. Of course officiating is going to have a huge impact on the game. How do you not have the right to complain about the way a game's officiated so well? Well, you should have played better. Kansas City's better than us. For sure they are. Because you're also but, letting your team off the hook. Well, but I'm, yes, you're right. I'm yeah, letting like my for, team for their two for, for their two goal line fumbles. My you're right. No, you're 100 percent right. I am going to let my team off the hook for taking a team to the wire that they should have beat by double digits. That's better than them. Yes, I am going to let them off the hook for punking a team that isn't, by all accounts, asking anyone that follows football a much better team than them. You're damn right that I'm going to let them off the hook for that. Because everyone thought, then including, that is a loser's all of mentality. Us, including all of us who picked Kansas City to win by a touchdown, every single one of us took KC with the spread last week. No one thought that the Lions were going to compete in this game. We didn't have Darius Slay. Quandre yep. Diggs left the game early. And they, they should have won or that they game didn't have by double digits. <laughs> like, double digits they should have won that game by. And, and they didn't because of, not only because of the officiating, but because of mistakes that they made. Yeah, but some of those Very mistakes preventable mistakes because of the of the mistakes by referees. The touchdown being overturned for Galladay. My whole thing on that one was whatever right you called it, fumble. whatever you call it, leave it. That Whether was you called it a miss right or you called it a catch, you leave it at that because there was not enough evidence in my mind to change your mind on whatever you called. So that should have been a touchdown and Stafford's never should have happened. And then by way of that, thank God our defense was fantastic on that series and held KC to nothing. In fact, caused a turnover and got the ball call back. Anything our defense does except punch the ball out. Fantastic. That is, okay. and they, they have that. one. Well, they, they double they cover the running back. Fantastically for you, for you Pokemon fans out there, when you run out of PP and you don't have any moves to use, there's something called struggle. That's what our defense does. They can't okay, stop nerd. anybody. That's, that's about zero so percent of our audience. They, no, Dylan will get it. Dylan will appreciate it. Hang on. You don't think the punch out was a conscious decision by the defense seeing something with the Chiefs that punch, being that loose That punch with out the was the most beautiful play of the weekend. 
Which we, one? Well, there were we three had, of them. Yeah, I was going to say, we had more than one. That's something the one that we where coach he for. Played can mouth with him, and he waited for him to get up. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was ready. He's waiting for Watkins to get up. And his no, and then, and then, the, and then when he punched out in the end zone, that was beautiful, too. But the other no. one, well, because obviously they're both deliberate. But on one, he's just trying to cause an incomplete pass. And on the other... He knows, like, as soon as, I think it was Sammy Watkins, like, as soon as he gets no, it was up. Wack- yeah, it was Watkins. Ba-ba! It is something we that was wonderful. For, and it is something we actually have very good technique at. The problem is we have to do that because we can't stop anybody. They at will drove up and down the field on us the entire game. We absolutely cannot. And it's not, I mean, they're a good offense, but we don't stop anybody. Our hang defensive on, line. Hang on, hang on, hang on. They are a great offense. They are. Let's but be it's fair. Not like They're we... not a good offense. They're a great offense. And we hung with them for 60 freaking minutes. Had the lead. Should have had a double-digit lead Well, if we're, we're going to keep giving offense. credit where credit is due, they're a great offense, but they're also a terrible defense. Yes, they are. And, oh, yeah. And one, thing are not that, a good one thing that gets lost in all this, especially with the result of the game, Mahomes had the worst game of his pro career. Uh, Mahomes oh, yeah. missed more wide-open passes than I have seen pretty much any I mean he looked he looked like Mitch Trubisky out there that that's what that game was no Maybe. no 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 that's not fair no it's he extremely did not look, fair he did not look like Mitch Trubisky or actually you're right I apologize Mitch Trubisky rarely looks as bad as Mahomes did on Sunday no that is no you are not being fair that's that's being 100% fair and, no, I, no, so, hang on. and that's one because thing. besides touchdowns Mahomes wasn't that bad he didn't throw any touchdowns he missed some passes yes but our defense did some things really well up front as well so that's one advantage. Yeah, they got the him off his spot a little bit. Our, yeah, our front seven did a pretty good part of that was Mahomes. Part of it was Mahomes defense. way. With modern with modern technology and as nice as the at home experience is on TV, there's not much that's better at the game anymore. But one thing that is absolutely better about being at the game is that you see the whole field at all times. And you can see everything as it develops. Whereas the TV focuses on the ball. Oh, you! Oh, you, Rain Man! Now you're able to watch every single spot at the you're same time. You're not seeing all the routes develop. <laughs> I can see there the secondary. Was... I can see the linebackers. I can see the linemen. I saw the quarterback. I saw all that shit in three <laughs> seconds. The hell you there did! There was not many plays that game at all where they did not have open guys, like wide open guys, streaking across the field. And Mahomes saw most of them and flat out missed them. And Mahomes also created pressure at time. Where there was not. And we did not get much pressure. Mahomes rolls out a lot on his own, either by play design or we got a decent X amount, amount of, pressure, of seconds actually. takeoff. Yeah, Our I know pressure he rolls out. Mostly he got some good pressure. From him on. holding the ball. We did not get the kind of one, two, bam pressure most of the game. And that's the problem with our defensive line. We don't have, well, we haven't even stopped the run either, but we don't have much of a pass rush. We're paying our defensive line a third of the cap. And we're not seeing the production from it. And the problem is we don't have much else on the defensive side of the ball. Our linebacking unit has a overdrafted rookie, has a bust first-round okay, pick. On. What does this have to do uh, with our, the Chiefs game? Well, it has to do with everything with the Chiefs game. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not trying to do a deep dive into our Lions lacking right now in position plays. I'm trying to talk about this one game and how after all of these shenanigans – the destiny is still in our own hands because we have them at fourth down and eight. Their end of the field and a chance to seal this game and get out of town with a win against one of the best teams in football. And you're mad because well, why? wasn't it two linebackers that followed the running back? It is, yes. Two of those overhyped, overpaid, over whatever drafted linebackers? Yeah, our, our linebackers that suck. And this is my point going forward because that's 
what really matters from this game, so we lost the game. And as frustrating as it what really matters is going forward. Sure did. <laughs> How much did we really learn from this game? Our offense played really well against a terrible defense, and our defense played really bad against a great offense. No, no, what but changed? That, that, hang on. What changed? The Lions scored over 20 points at home for the first time in like a year. What? That's not real. Uh, it is real, defense. actually. Are you serious? Our last six that home games coming into this game, we couldn't top 20 points. But we played a bottom what? five defense. Doesn't matter. Football. We played bad defense before matter. and couldn't get 20 points. It's a, and we also had Jim Bob Cooter call in place. I'm the Cardinals do not have a great defense. What do we do against them? We scored more than 20 points. Barely. It's <laughs> not a team <laughs> that, that, that is offensively should be a 30-point-per-game football team. But we played no. years now. We Stafford and, and the weapons we're not, that we have. We're not scoring 30. We should. With not the 30 a game. Not with the O-line. See, that's the problem. That, and that's the that's thing. The, the O-line is the problem. We don't have absolutely. talent. That's the problem. No, we have skill. The, skill the, makes up, or the O-line makes up half your offense. Nothing is more. There are other, <laughs> five guys on the O-line and 11 on the field. That have skill position and bad offensive lines and make enough points. Who? Who? who averages 30 points as a bad offensive line? Outside of the Patriots, who? Ah, you can't say outside of the Patriots. They're one I can't say that. That's one team. That's, That's one team, team that has had every way team, big offensive every line problems. Every single team with bad offensive was lines able to score points. does not have a consistent offense. Every single one of them. Because that's the name of the game. Skill positions are the most overrated things in football. You don't need them. You don't. If you have the offensive line, your skill position players or whatever, man, I'll take average Joe's. I will literally take average Joe's gym. From freaking dodgeball. I will take those as my Oh, man, that was on the other day, and I know it was in our movie bracket. <laughs> Beautiful movie. It's so good. It's so good. I will take them as my skill position like, ah, players. Sucks. If you give me a real offensive <laughs> line in Matthew Stafford, that's – so that – I don't get oh, me caught so you, off. So you, so you want to keep Stafford. You're okay with that skill position keeping, but – the other quarterback ones. is not what I consider a skill position. You can defend. That's because our quarterback doesn't have any skill. Absolute, <laughs> absolute, complete own thing. And that's what, at the end of the day, you look at the Lions roster outside of quarterback. They don't have any difference makers. Man, when Kenny G is, uh, well, that's part of that on the quarterback. But when Kenny G is on, this is a monster. When so he's like, not if you, passes, and when if you, if you think he, you know, if you think he caught the touchdown, Kenny he had two G touchdowns. Some great plays. Yeah, he, he did. The fucking great toe catches. He made some great catches. Because the third he has down to one make that he great catches. And swapped it out with the because handout. he's rarely ever open. Yeah, he's not getting separation. He's just using his body, and that's fine. So that's, I will take that he's at least using his size to his advantage. Because we've had wide receivers that couldn't get separation, but how hard, had but size, so but couldn't hard, use it. It's so hard we've had to a few have tight a ends actually that couldn't do that. When your offense requires your quarterback making a pinpoint throw and your receiver making a great catch. Cool. Speaking of pinpoint. Is there a more pinpoint throw in the NFL this year than what Stafford did for one of the touchdowns? This year or ever? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. Both is good. I mean, so for those of you... Probably not, not but I will say, it. and that's because I said it last week too, I think it was on Monday night when the Bears were playing, and Trubisky's bad, but he made that one throw to Gabriel as a hell of a throw. It wasn't as good as Stafford. Oh, it was a real good throw. It was a real but good throw. But that shit for, for was crazy. For those of you who don't know, we're talking, <laughs> the, the one that... His Went since the game like has made defenders? the rounds on the internet. We had a really nice cam of basically a bird's eye quarterback view, and there were four defenders. And At least. It, it, so it, when you're dissecting film, it wouldn't be called a window. You would just say the guy's covered. But somehow Stafford fit it through the four defenders, and got how it none of them got a hand on that I don't know. 
It was well. It was close. Did we get ball speed it, on that? Did we get a pitch? Did we get a pitch count on that one? We don't. It, which is so it had sad. it had they more speed than that uh that Carmelo pass on the highlight tape. <laughs> I think he's in Denver. And he just or I mean it's the same thing basically. Is that uh is that Isaiah Thomas pass? Or he just whips it in the they, entire uh, defense. They bring up a Dodgers pitcher, you know Stafford's best friend, Clay Kershaw. Yeah, like Clay Kershaw to, like, to like right told him. after that, be like, oh, he threw it like Kershaw. <laughs> like, he t- like he taught him that. Best friends with Clayton Kershaw. You know, it used to be a pitcher. They used to pitch together. What oh, a hell of a pitching staff. Uh, I mean, that was that was incredible. And Stafford like, did a good team. Could but, you imagine being on the other team? Oh. <laughs> you're going against Stafford. That's what's not talked about enough. If you're a batter and you I got mean, like a double header and then it's Clayton Kershaw and then Matt Stafford, it's like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to play. I'm good. So, like, have you ever seen the video of that dude uh, guarding Taco Fall in high school? And talk for all this, like oh. he's so he's like seven three at this point, and it's this like short chubby black dude, and Taco Fall checks in, and he just like when he sees him, he just shakes his head like, Mm-mm. and then he tries to guard him, and he just kind of throws his hand up like I can't believe what am I gonna do with this? Like I felt sometimes that way about a guy get, in what was it, seventh eighth grade, and that dude wasn't seven feet tall. That dude was like six three at the time, and I was no, like, that's... well. It's the tallest person in the world, so. <laughs> when I, for shits and giggles, decided to just say screw it and try out for the Arizona basketball team, because why not? They had Washington. <laughs> and, they, and they're like, here, go guard go guard Gene. Gene is Eugene Edgerson, six foot seven, the last player from our team that was actually still on the team that won the national championship in 97, was also a football player. He's six seven, like 270 pounds. And I'm like, oh, okay. I would have bodied his ass. I, I absolutely all tried. Foot, all five I foot eight of me. I absolutely tried. So it I guess my so thing well is going forward, <laughs> and you guys know my answer on this, is post-Kansas City, do you really feel like something transpired, like that you feel somehow way better about this team, like they're going to make the playoffs and do something? No, and that's why I hate it. Camps. Are you hopeful, or are you just like, ugh? Well, so, Ryan, be- answer the question. You seem very prepared. Because I thought they were, I thought they were going to be one and three after the first four games, and now they're two one and one. And I had them finishing eleven and five, anyway, even after the one and three start. And I don't feel any better about them because aside from this game, they haven't really played good football, right? They beat a very very hobbled Eagles team, um, and obviously you get credit for wins, but they tied the Cardinals after they probably should have won that game. Again, they beat a depleted Chargers teams, and they never really looked convincing doing it and it's not so for me it's not encouraging that when you play the best game that you've played all year and then you play even one of the better teams in football probably the second best team in football and they play their worst game that you're going to see them play all year that you still can't beat them regardless of what happened with any type of refereeing calls or fumbles on the goal line you still didn't beat them even though you played your best and they played their worst that's not that doesn't exude a lot of confidence. And then you see the Bears have picked it up a little bit, uh, even though they're on their second-string quarterback. Probably not that there's much of a difference. It's better than their starter. Uh, the Packers, they lost to the Eagles. It was a close game, and thankfully, obviously, we beat the Eagles, but they're still a game ahead of us in the standings. And you probably feel better about the games against the Vikings. But other than that, you're in not a really. tough division, with I, which I think you know everybody expected the division to be tough even if they didn't expect all the teams to be necessarily good they thought all the teams are pretty close together right and maybe the lions were the one where you said hey they're the odd man out they can't really win 
everyone it seems like has gotten better from what you thought they might be preseason. Except for no, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of the a lot of the national people too. Um, but even so, kind of even like regardless of that of who thought what, the only team that you could probably say right now you'd feel better about saying the Lions are better than X, even in the division, is the Vikings because the Bears still have a great defense and is not a matchup. Obviously, you love the Lions going against and at two one and one after the first four games. You're like, all right, I would absolutely take that before the season started. And then you see how it's played out, and it's like, well, (laughs) because you know what the potential could have been, right? They could have potentially won all four games. They They definitely should have won three of the games. And if teams were healthy, they could be 0-4. Well, not the first game. The first game, I wouldn't. (laughs) They'd be 0-3. The the thing is, the, the weird thing is, the game that I'd be least upset about other than the Philly game. The Philly game, to me, was actually our best game. It wasn't the KC game. I think we played our best game in Philly. That's a road game against a team who felt like they needed a win. And yeah, they were banged up. Philly was banged up. But Super they were banged up at receiver. And I'm going to tell you a thousand times, that's not what's important on a team. I mean, they it didn't have Darby either, did they? It's the least valuable position in football. Not with receiver. the way Philadelphia is set up offensively. Receiver... Or I'm sorry, I don't think they have their top corner. Has more talent all over the board than yeah, us. Shit, they don't defense, have any corners now. Offense, their offensive line is good. They have better running backs than us. Philly is absolutely do offensive line than us. score the ball? And we went. Yes, they they do. They do. Exactly they that do. Thing. They do. They're the ones that can actually get the ball. Taylor into the end Decker zone? literally scored no. a touchdown last year. <laughs> Congratulations. Anyways, troll. We went on the road to Philly against a team that is much better than us and really controlled that game. Because they weren't better than us that day because they didn't right. have their team. The and thankfully, we don't have to play them the again. We picked the playoffs. They went it wasn't the Lambeau same team. They got the they Packers. got your boy, Alshon, back. And I think they got Darby back, too. Yeah, I don't know if Darby played against us, but he, 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 he certainly is trash. Uh, he's certain, yeah, I think he's trash, but he's your boy. Certainly not better than Kenny G. That was our best game that we played this season. The second best game was, ironically, the Arizona game. Arizona game, I put squarely on the coaches. We were dominating them, and then Darren Bevel and Matt Patricia said, we got this wrapped up. We're going to stop doing okay, anything. You have we lost talk- your damn mind. We talked about this. We threw the- After we went up 24-7 to or whatever it was, we threw the ball three times. Uh, three times for the rest of the freaking game until they tied it back up. Three times. Their defense that, that's couldn't get off the field. That was the tired. coaching staff saying, we're going – to do the thing we can't do and just try to run the clock out running the ball. that That's not a team problem. That's not a, like, our guys didn't execute, they didn't do whatever. That's our coaching staff made a, a really dumb decision. Didn't cover old-ass Larry Fitzgerald. There's one thing they didn't do. Larry Fitzgerald's a goat. Old. Not really, but I mean, he's a monster. He's one of them. And uh, Jerry Rice on the Seahawks. I don't know. For excitement level, for exciting football, for enjoying a great football game, the Chiefs and Lions put on a show. And the Lions were every bit a part of that show. They, I can't say that for the Arizona game. Yes, we had a commanding lead, and yes, we blew it. And yes, you can blame the coaches for making bad decisions, and clearly Matthew Stafford does as he's going to the sidelines screaming, trust me, which against bad teams you should. Like his record against winning teams, you shouldn't. But that's the whole damn team. But this game... The Lions did everything they were supposed to to try and win this game. And Which they deserved fine, they deserved to be up by double like digits Ryan in the third quarter. Like Ryan said, Casey played their worst game of the season. 
According to you guys, we played our best game and we still fell short, which for all the reasons that we already discussed, which I'm upset about, and I think that we should have won handily. But at the end of the day, I don't understand how you can say it's our best game when we didn't play a clean because game. Because there's a difference the between sucked. Kansas City playing their ever worst game of the season game all year. and Kansas City playing a bad game. They didn't have a bad game. They had their worst game of the season no, because their offense game. is phenomenal. No, but they still put up plenty of yards. They still put up plenty of points. Because our defense was atrocious. They should have put up a lot more points. Our defense sucked. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay, I don't but sometimes you get into games where there are two great defenses and the offenses just happen to take over. And it's just a flow of a game where Which both is offenses fine, are clicking. But that's not what happened. That's absolutely not what But that's fine. I mean, it's semantics. Were our no, defense every, being as banged up as they were with no secondary? Their very concrete opinion of what they think was the story of the game. I am just with Ryan. I can't get excited going forward because of a game like this. For me... To, so you have, and we'll talk about this more next week. The bar is Monday night, next Monday after the bye week. If you don't beat Green Bay, you are not doing anything relevant this year. That's a game that you go in and win, period. Coming off a bye, coming off the game that you came off, you go in and win. That's the game where you say, all right, maybe this team can make noise doing something of relevancy, something we haven't seen before. All right, well, my thoughts, my feelings have been very clear on this team. I said they go 4-12 and 12 this year. Obviously, I think they're going to do a little better than 4-12 <laughs> now at this point because oh, I had them at 1-3. and three. Well, so, I mean, if, if, with my with my 4-12, and 12, including a 1-3 and three start, because I thought we'd lose to the Chargers, who I thought would be healthy and have Melvin Gordon. I thought we'd lose to the Eagles, who I thought would be healthy and have any of their wide receivers. Well, and I thought we would lose to the Chiefs, of, obviously. That's the danger of just picking wins and losses on the schedule. So you guys know me. When I when I did this... Yeah, yeah, I know. Game. You have some weird scientific method. Well, You're so Bill Nye, our, the science guy. We did from, our from picks, that's said, all fine and dandy. Regardless, I picked he, them he to go 1-3 and three pick, he, to start this season. And they are obviously 2-1-1 one, and one at this point. So they are going to be better than my 4-12 well, and 12 pick. But I don't think it's going to be so much. I, don't see, I still don't see this team winning more than six games. What? Yes. That'd be so sad. We got the so we got the easiest part what? of our schedule ahead of us. Which is really of kind of the, the only one. I don't think we're beating the Packers. I don't think we're beating the Bears. I think we might win a game against the Vikings, but it ain't you in Minnesota. You think we're going one in That's five in division? Yeah. Yeah, all, lost yeah your all six. Mind. No, definitely all not. Six I've been a Lions fan for 30 freaking years. I've seen it. Do you realize that for the last three or four, maybe even five years, the Lions have owned the division? They have the best record in the NFC North. Really? We won the when did we, we won the division? In division. When did this happen? The Lions have the best record in division. And it means, Dick, how many times they win the division? It means they're probably not how many going times one they win five the division? in the division. That's what that means. It means that like, they're absolutely yeah, not going to congratulations. You beat the Packers division. without Aaron Rodgers. We beat the Packers well done. with Aaron Rodgers, too. <laughs> this is absolutely not even true. The Packers haven't beat us in, like, three years. I, he hasn't been dead that whole time. It's It's... Dumb. Like you can't. Uh, if he, the, if he hasn't Lions, been dead, then Devonte Adams, the, along with Jordy Lions Nelson, along the, with their running backs, ridiculous. have been dead. That the team Lions has been injury depleted for years. The best record in the NFC North in the past quite a few years, and you're picking them to go one in five. Yep. The Pistons won three and zero oh against the Raptors. This is the year. Two and four at best. The Lions are closest to all those other teams. Maybe. And and you have. I mean, you have games against the Bucks in the Giants in Washington and uh, who else? Oh, Daniel I mean, Jones about the car bust up. I say, well, Denver, I just lose the Bucks like, game out of for no 
and good there's, reason. There's literally four games left on the schedule that the Lions can't lose. That it's impossible. We'll be oh, we'll be the team that makes Jameis looks like a Heisman I mean, winner. Hang on, would one of those impossibles have been Arizona to start the season in your mind? No, yes, it was. Oh, yes, no, it was. Oh, no. yes, it was. Yes, it was. It's on the road. With as trash as you thought Kyler Murray was, I don't believe that. Yeah. How's Dylan going to ask You had that as at? a penned-in win. I mean, it should have been a win, but no, this, I wouldn't have said impossible. Actually, I could tell you if I found my sheet. I think but I here's the thing. That. It's the Lions, and shit happens, whether it's self-inflicted or not, for them to lose football games. That one was self-inflicted. You don't think there's going to be any more self-inflicted losses along the way to teams there they should be? There is going to be, but there's going to be games that they win that you don't you, expect them to win like the Eagles game as long as that team is not healthy you damn right I mean I my, you my play half the Eagles you played the Ghouls they, they I, face I, a healthy team now I I spit them out at nine wins at the beginning of the season it was nine and seven now because of the tie I, I put in the the I redid my formula for the remainder of the season right literally on the dot nine wins Nine, six, and one is what I have. So you took one of their losses and made it a win now. Which one is that one? That's not how it works. Uh, It is because you had them at nine and seven, and one of those became a tie. So either you had them losing that game to Arizona, or you have a new win for them. That's not how picking records works. No, but you went from nine and seven to nine, six, and one. So the nine stayed the same. But But Arizona was one of your picks for the win. You're not picking wins and losses. That's not how it works. No, but I understand it's not how it works in your little weird-ass Bill Nye formula. But I want to know, out of all those games, which one you see now in your mind? You go, okay, up. we're going to win this one instead. Well, it'd be a game that we already did, and the, that'd be Philly. The, the coin flip formula. I mean. Heads is a win and tails is a loss. But regardless, I mean, it's ironic. Me and Ryan are the least impressed with a KC game, and yet we have them winning 9-10 games. And I'm, you are the most. I just don't like the, the fan reaction to it. Have them winning five games. What is like, I love, like, I love the player reaction to it. Honestly, which is more important, but hearing radio and just hearing like regular talk from fans wherever you go, I hate the way that the fans are treated the KC game. But the players, I love it because all part? of them are like, "Nah, we should have won that game." The uh, you're right, you should have won that game. Ma- mainly the you mainly won that the game. officials part. If you stopped them on fourth and eighth, the you officials still part. Won that game. The, oh, we could play with you know whoever, whoever. Um, and like they ask carry on about the fumble. Uh huh. And what he said, you know, regardless of whatever happened before that, there's no reason for me to stick the ball out. And that's what I want from the players. That's the the one time where I want coach speak. Absolutely. I don't want the players coming out saying, oh, we got boned by the refs. How'd the Lions players sound after beating the Patriots last year? That I don't remember. I'm assuming all business, I hope. (laughs) Probably similar. Well, yeah, we can prove that we can play with anybody. We're a real team. How'd they do after that? What they want last year? Six games? Block last season out of my memory, but you could block the last twenty years of Lions play out of your memory, sands a few games, and you'll be a happier person but for it's, it. it. I never sat here and was like, the Lions are going to win a playoff game. I, I've contended the whole time that they're average to slightly above. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like we're saying anything absurd. But you, you are. are you're like, saying they're slightly above average when they've proven nothing of the of the exact opposite. They are below average, have been below yeah, average. Matt, Matt hates this team so much. I, I love this team, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I've just, been a fan of this not, team. Like you said they're slightly above average. It's like, that's the absurd. I love being irrational right now. But it's not irrational because it's the same shit, just different names on the back of the jerseys. 
It's so irrational. It's literally the same shit, but different to names on the back of the jerseys. Team and the schedule and the way they've played and say they're not getting more than six wins is beyond irrational. Oh, I thought you can't look at the schedule. You don't just. I said you don't assign wins and losses to games. No, Matt still just doesn't think they're very good. I. Which, if you I, don't think it's team is very good, but he's impressed by the KC game. I don't. It makes no sense to me. I don't get it. All right, you know the you know the year that we went uh, we finally made the playoffs again. Not not oh, the Cowboy never year. Never mind. No, not the Cowboy year. The year that we what was it the uh, was it the Seattle. Giants? Yeah. Seattle. No, it was Seattle. Seattle. That's right. Yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Stafford was um, hurt. His finger was basically ripped off. Right. Yeah. I remember. But Stafford had like nine comeback wins that season. Eight. But yeah, he had the that was literally the, the first year I believed in Matthew Stafford. You well, can check my dumb. social media on it. It took me that long it's to finally believe. Fault. No, I'm not dumb because there was no reason to believe him before. Everyone else jumped on it early. And then we had that 11-win season. And the next year, all the national pundits are having us going 12 wins. And I'm sitting there going, no, we're going 8-8 eight and eight at best. What did we do? I think 7-9 and nine that year. No, we job at best died and our offensive line was garbage. And it's always well, something, Paul. That's what I'm never saying. Build a team. We've not, that's why we're not a. So no one is <coughs> and, saying hang we're on. Super Bowl. Is Martha Ford still the owner of this team? But no Do the Fords saying, still own the Lions? No one is saying we're a Super Bowl contender. That's the thing. It's a, like there is there is a huge gulf between golf. What a yes, golf. G O L F like the sport. No, G U L F. Oh, golf. Yes. Are we are we clear? You live. Yeah, by just making one. sure. All right. Just there you know, say the, say the right word next time. Huge golf. Between the Patriots and what you perceive this team to be, and this team is in there. Can we move on and just start talking the about the Patriots? What? We talked about the Patriots. I'm I'm putting the Patriots up as the best team in the NFL. I'm saying the gap between where you perceive this team to be and where the top of the league is. There's so much room in there, and that's where the Lions fall. And you you are just being irrational. Yeah, the very 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 bottom of it. <laughs> No. <laughs> All right, moving Ryan, on. This is Ryan, this is going nowhere. All right, well, speaking of disappointing teams, I, I heard that Michigan has an important game this week. Uh, yeah, I heard a dude on the radio today say if they lose this game, they're going to lose four more games. We should put them at six and six work? on the year. I, so oh, he said that's... if they lose this game, if they lose to Iowa, they're going to lose to Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. And, and if they beat Iowa, they're gonna win all those games. Sans Ohio State. Uh, he he didn't uh, he didn't offer that <laughs> he didn't offer that scenario. So, I mean, we talked about this obviously after the Wisconsin game. Uh, we didn't talk. Well, I guess right now it's after the Rutgers game. But obviously after the Wisconsin game, we spent a lot of time on this team, and it, they have so much room for improvement, which we don't know if they've improved because they didn't play last week. They had a bye week. Um, for those listening to the podcast. They didn't literally have a bye week. They did play Rutgers, but we all know it's pretty much a bye week in college football if you have a pulse. This week, I told you guys before, if this team doesn't improve, they're a five-loss team. But the expectation to say that they're not going to improve and improve rapidly I think is just misguided and wishful thinking. How much they improve, that is going to determine if they can compete with Penn State and Ohio State and Notre Dame. Um, no, I'm not including Michigan State in that group because even as is, they're better than Michigan State, not to hurt anybody's feelings. You wish. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I think our offensive staff is salivating at the thought of our receiving core against your secondary. 
But we have to I hope play. so. We smacked on Northwestern, uh, who played Wisconsin a hell of a lot harder than Michigan did. First. We have to play. Are we doing this mm-hmm. transist- transistive stuff? You're goddamn right. property of sports. We're going to do this right now? <laughs> Walter White uh, drop. Yeah, uh-huh. It's a big game this week, and it's really unfortunate that Dylan's not on the cast right now because Dylan picked Iowa to win the whole Big Ten, like all of it, to win the West, and then <laughs> – beat whoever comes out of the east so dylan's obviously very high on iowa i think we've mentioned dylan's going to iowa penn state which has officially been announced he's begging for game day to go there he in i will say if they beat michigan it's gonna it will probably be there but isn't there's another huge game that week is it the red river rivalry that week i believe i I believe it's the red Red river shootout yeah but so no, I, I no, do no buts, <laughs> no, no buts. That's if, where it's if going. If Iowa wins this game, it'll be in. it'll be there. No, I, I think so. But no. regardless, Michigan has to win this game. They don't have a choice. I mean, it's going to be. Wait, I no, thought they could no, lose. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. I thought how is this argument different than the Wisconsin argument? As far as it doesn't matter. They're on the other side of the Big Ten. Oh, we bro, can still win for, the Big Ten. It would for sure be because, at Texas because it'd be a second loss. What do you mean? It was oh, Oklahoma so it six, and right now Texas is eleven. If they, no, oh yeah, there's no chance it goes to. There's no chance it goes to what Penn State. So like losing Wisconsin. Iowa. What do you mean? You can't wait. You can't still win the East. No. Why? You have two Big Ten losses. Yeah, you have two Big Ten losses. Like what? No, you cannot win. And, the East and even if you're planning on beating Ohio State somehow after that, you have to hope they drop another Big Ten game beside you. Yeah, the Saturday. Jesus. That's right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So anyway, this game is obviously a must-win for Michigan, not not just for their prospects this year in the Big Ten, but program morale going forward. Uh, keep the. I mean, how many times have you heard fire Harbaugh in the past two weeks? Subsert is out of control. So obviously, this is a must-win game for the program. The question is, how do they get it done? They're, and there's Florida favored. LSU next week. They were favored in this game by seven points when the spread dropped. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way no, game there's, day's there, going there's to no Iowa. There's no way it's Penn State, Iowa. There's no unless way. Te- not, unless you, Texas loses this week. But that's I, a top so, 10 matchup. I don't want to spoil anything If not, it's going to be LSU, Florida. It'll be a top 10 matchup. So, without spoiling anything for the cast, no, I don't think they're going there. But I'm telling you. In the right circumstances, you said if possible. they win, they'll go there. Yeah, you did but say if they win. I don't want to spoil win, anything for the there. cast. All right. They're not going there. That's a spoiler alert. Iowa's 14th ranked <laughs> team in the country. All right. Iowa's the 14th ranked team in the country. Michigan's still back at 19. And yet, somehow, when Vegas released this spread, Michigan was favored by seven points over a team ranked very clearly valued higher than them by media members. Now, you can say what you want about Vegas or the Michigan difference as far as point spreads, or the ignorance of AP voters. But nowhere in the world does what we've seen from either team, what we see in the rankings, would lend to Michigan being a seven-point favorite, which they aren't anywhere close to that now. In fact, without injury, this is about the farthest I can recall a spread moving. Just a, we're, we're still way before the game. The spreads just came out a couple days ago. It's already moved three-and-a-half points. Michigan is now only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That is insane movement for no no news has come out about the game no one's been injured or cleared to play nothing has happened and it's tuesday today us recording well yeah the entire state of iowa bet on iowa they got some good money too almost as many people as we have in warren (laughs) 
Well, if Iowa was to win this game, it would snap a few trends because Iowa has lost their last three road games versus ranked teams. Michigan has won two two straight and three of their last four home games versus ranked team. We know who the ranked team they lost to would be. Uh, so there's some trends that would snap along the way if Iowa was to go into Michigan and win this football game. But doesn't – so from a matchup perspective, Iowa is Wisconsin light in a regard. We got a good offensive line. They well, like that's to no pound good. the rock. But this yeah, year – They don't have Jonathan Taylor. They have <laughs> – They're very light there. They don't have Jonathan Taylor. That's true. But I would venture to say that the way Michigan's D-line played against Wisconsin's offensive line – uh, you could you could have been back there running back, and I'm not sure how much of a difference it would have made. I mean, you might have got chased well, down from behind. There's no the bye week this time for you guys to get rusty. <laughs> oh, you mean we for Don Brown to prepare for a real defense? A bye week. Or a real <laughs> offense? The biggest thing is, Michigan has Michael Duomfar back, and like fully healthy. And he played a ton at Rutgers to get his conditioning back. And that's obviously huge for the interior of the line. But Nate Stanley has been... Pretty darn good. And I know Dylan has an erection right now, and if I say much more words about the way he's been slinging around the ball and transforming that offense, he's going to pop. But that's that's been the biggest difference for Iowa this year is quarterback play. They don't have the two tight ends that went in the first round of the NFL draft, and their skill positions are nowhere near the level of Michigan's. But... More important than the skill positions is that offensive line and that quarterback. And how Michigan's defensive line that has not been good and that has been banged up is trying to get healthy and that is probably going to play a lot more snaps to a couple true freshmen, how they hold up is going to decide pretty much this game, period. Michigan's going to score in this game. The offense is not going to be – it's going to be better, much worlds better than it was against Wisconsin. Well, obviously you gotta hope it can't get worse. I mean, could get shut out. It's no, you really could. Possible, yeah, but, but you but, were basically shut out until Wisconsin took their foot off the gas. Hey, that's not what happened. But we're not gonna delve back into that. No, but Shea looked. I mean, you got to think Shea's gonna have way more confidence coming into this game, I just mean, from the way he played against Rutgers. He played a lot better against Rutgers, and it's Rutgers. He should play better. But it doesn't matter. Getting yourself in the end zone, getting those pats from your teammates, all this—you got to feel better coming into this game than how, than how you felt, obviously, going at Wisconsin. So that's what, and that's a, so they're going to score. They'll be fine. Like, their offense is not going to be the reason that they lose this game outside of an absurd amount of turnovers. You turn the ball over four times again, and obviously that's going to change things. But this game is going to be dictated strictly to me by if Iowa's offensive line does a better job controlling the game than Michigan's defensive line. Because if Iowa beats up our defensive line and controls the game and has long scoring drives, we're screwed. That's what Wisconsin ground us to a pulp. We cannot get in another game like that. Cannot do it. We have to play this game on our terms. The defensive line has to be better. Don Brown has to make better adjustments, which will be much easier since he has a lot more horses to play with on that side of the ball this week than he did at Wisconsin. But it has, we have to blitz better. We have to hold up at the point of attack better. We have to set the edge better. We have to do the fundamental. Dylan 
was terrified after the Wisconsin game, right? Because we couldn't maintain gap integrity to save our life. If we do that against Wisconsin, I'm sorry, Iowa, we'll lose. What do you expect? I mean, I don't think they're going to get blown out. So in that aspect, they should play better well, than they played against no, Wisconsin. No, they absolutely won't get blown out. But, but I mean, Iowa, game, the sky is falling. It, it should be a dogfight because neither team obviously has really impressed Iowa they beat an Iowa State team by one. I know it's an in-state rivalry, and I know it was in Ames, but Iowa State has not looked good really at all. They beat Northern Iowa by three in overtime, uh, and then they lost to Baylor this past Saturday. And then, obviously they, they had the close game against Iowa. And Michigan wasn't impressive against Rutgers and then got beat down by Wisconsin. So this game should be a dogfight either way. And I don't really think it's going to be in a good way where it's like a 2017, oh, but both these teams are so good and it's just hard to move an inch. I think there's going to be a lot of kind of who can flounder the least should be the team that wins this game. One thing that's still concerning for Michigan is going to be the run defense. I know that they do get Dwumfar back, but the interior of the defensive line is still not good. It's still weak. So if I was able to take advantage of that um, and then if if Levert Hill has another bad game and Iowa's able to do really anything in the air to kind of throw that Don Brown defense off um, and just give any bit of a balanced attack to Michigan I think that does spell trouble but Michigan skill players they should provided that Shea's able to get them, them them the ball which he hasn't been able to do this year you know when he's played kind of anybody of substance um, that's really going to be the biggest thing for Michigan because they should have way more talent on the outside, but you need to get the ball in their hands or else they just look really good coming off the bus. And then when they're on the field, they're not getting any touches. I do think it's interesting that these two teams have played two common opponents. Michigan, you say they quote-unquote looked better against Rutgers, but Rutgers didn't score against either of them. Michigan won 52 to nothing. Iowa only a measly 30 to nothing. And then they also both played Middle Tennessee State. Iowa won that game 48-3, to and Michigan won it 40-21. to um, So it's kind of a, a give and take there, but I do think that that's pretty indicative that this game is going to be real close, down to the wire. Um, you know, it's a game that's, that's probably old, ugly Big Ten football to watch, uh, but it'll certainly be, it'll certainly be, you know, a, I don't want to say exciting for both sides, but it'll definitely be, you know, kind of, uh, nail-biting for both sides. You'll probably be on the edge of your seat, both for a lot of good and a lot of bad. Yeah, I'm personally not that impressed with Iowa. You know, the Iowa-Iowa State game, you can kind of throw that one out the window. Forget the fact that it's a rivalry. That game was stopped like three different times because of weather. So how are you supposed to get any kind of momentum and actually play a football game that's reasonable compared to how you're going to play the rest of the year? I don't know how you do that. Iowa State did not impress last week against Baylor. I don't care that Baylor's undefeated. They're not a good football team. And if Iowa State was a good football team, they'd win that football game. They didn't. Uh, outside of that, they played Maryland. Obviously not a good football team and start the year. So you never know what you're going to get there. Uh, beat the crap out of Rutgers and beat the crap out of Middle Tennessee State. So they haven't played a real team yet, and this is going to be their first real, real test. And going into Michigan, uh, when you are not named Ohio State or lately Michigan State, is actually pretty scary. And teams still have that issue with going into the big house. It's a big-ass stadium, whole lot of maize and blue out there, and these are 19-, 20-year-old kids, and uh, yips can happen. Uh, I don't see either way how either one's going to blow the other one out. I agree with Ryan on that. I do think it's going to be something that's 
a 16-13 kind of, kind of football game. Um, but I also saw that for the Wisconsin game, and that clearly did not happen. Uh, this team is not Wisconsin. They don't have the offense of Wisconsin. They don't have the defense of Wisconsin. They are good on both ends. They're not great on both ends. And I think Michigan will grow. They have the talent to grow with, and I think we'll see more of that in this game and along the season. I don't see this being a five-loss season for Michigan by any means. Maybe a three- or four-loss season if some things go against them the rest of the way. We know how big of a test it will be against Ohio State, who has looked, quite frankly, like the best team in college football right now with the way that they're just absolutely demolishing any and everybody in their way. Um, be a shame we'll if a- that came to an end. <laughs> I, I mean, so one thing, one thing that I do a little bit, you said that Iowa would be bucking some trends if they come in and win this game. One trend, though, they would not be bucking is beating Michigan. I always beat Michigan five of the last six times they've played. Now, granted, they don't play every year or anywhere close to it. That goes all the way back to 2009. Um, they've only played six times since 2009. Only one of those games was in the Harbaugh era, and four of those five wins were in Iowa City. Uh, they split the two games since 2009 that they've played in Ann Arbor. That is, I do think, a huge part of hey, this. Is the what year was the one they won in Ann Arbor? At home. Uh, 2010. 2010. Who was your head coach? Uh, Richrod, I think, at the time. Uh-huh. Or was okay. it? Yeah, Richrod, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it had to be Richrod. Sure. Pretty yeah. sure it was Richrod. So it's been a while. That should tell bit. you all you need to know about that <laughs> game and that Michigan program at that time. It was really not great. Oh, man. I don't want to <laughs> even go back to those times. But th- that's just curious looking at it. But one thing that Michigan's done extremely well under Harbaugh is play well at home. This team... And a lot of people say, well, they play bad on the road. Fine. They're not on the road. Nope. They play really, they really, really well at home for the most part. Uh, I can't really think of that many home debacles outside of year one against Ohio State, first year under Harbaugh. I mean, they played that, Army at home. It wasn't a debacle because they didn't lose, but they, they didn't look the game, good. Though. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, we have played some not perfect games at home, but we've certainly played our best football at home and, and been much, much tougher. In trouble with the snap. If, and I don't expect this game to be a blowout, but if this game was going to be a blowout, there's only one team in this game capable of blowing out the other team. Uh, Iowa, the way that they're built and the way Michigan plays, Iowa can't blow out Michigan. Sands turnovers. Not the way way Wisconsin, even with turnovers. I mean, it would take just an insane amount. You fumble the ball four times, they might blow you you out. If you get a strip (laughs) six and a pick six and some wild stuff, maybe. But I'm talking normal normal flow of a normal game. Trouble with the snap. Michigan is Oliver Martin going for 13 catches, 250 yards. Michigan's offense truly is a sleeping giant. Now, I don't know if they're ever going to wake up. I, I don't know if it's going to click for them. But at any given time, it would not be surprising to see them rise up and drop 50 on a good and, team. And this should be that time that it should start to click for them. And, and that's what You've had a few hoping, weeks to work on You're it. hoping that they come out and they want they want to make a statement. What scares me is Shea Patterson literally said, we're going to make a statement before the Wisconsin game. And I already don't love Shea Patterson. They sure did. And uh, he did make a statement against Wisconsin. It just wasn't really the one he was hoping to make. It was that was a debacle. I mean, I mean, Shea wasn't on that defense, (laughs) letting letting a a hobble Jonathan Taylor run all over you and his backups. Well, that was. I mean, again, that their offensive line just absolutely mauled us. But this game being at home, 
is going to be the. It's like Sheed guaranteeing it, and he's playing with you, me, and Ryan. <laughs> Michigan. I mean, everyone said Michigan's bye week came at a good time, which I I didn't really think it did. It just happened to be that Michigan struggled before the bye week, but. Michigan could have really used a bye week later in the season because they have an insane. Didn't you say it came at the perfect time? Obviously, after they struggled. Came it came, yeah it came at the perfect time because they were sucking dong. And gotcha. They needed to prepare for Wisconsin after Army. I thought you were but trying to the problem redo is, it. Now they don't get a breather for this killer stretch of eight games they have left. And what was nice is they got to play Rutgers. They needed a pick-me-up so, so bad. And now, in Iowa, they get what is going to be a test, but is not considered a big game to most of the fans. The big games left on your schedule, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, the money games. Those are the games that people really I've, I've heard Michigan. it as a, referred to a big game now. Maybe not before the season, Which, but definitely now, because if they lose, their season's over. Well, in that essence every game's a big game indiana's a big game illinois is a big game well games that you have a, a chance to lose a chance to lose that's fair if you want in, to in, in indiana maybe just because they kind of seemingly always give what you most more than you want this game for michigan is momentum outside of the fact that obviously if they lose their season is over in the eyes of many fans they need the momentum and they need to build that offense up i think they're gonna get it done i think i want them to get it done Obviously, I mean, Clearly. I'm a Michigan fan. I mean, it's going to be an absolute <laughs> disaster if they don't. So, yeah, wishful thinking. But I think at this point it would be a surprise because I think this coaching staff is a lot better than they get credit for. And they make a lot more adjustments than people realize. There's a ton of football left to be played. But every single day of practice, every single game they play, even against Rutgers, is reps and reps and reps in this system. I don't know if a million reps would make a difference in the next game on the schedule. Michigan State is traveling to the shoe. Michigan State that entered the season with high hopes. Michigan State that entered the season with what some people were calling a top five. Actually, I heard some people say this was going to be the best defense in the country, which was absurd because I pointed out the obvious flaws on the defense that have come to light. But regardless, Michigan State's disappointed, similar to the way Michigan's disappointed this year. And Ohio State looks better now than they did the last couple years under Urban Meyer. Now, I'm not, let's not misrepresent what I'm saying. I'm not saying they are better now. I'm not saying that Ryan Day's a better coach. I am just saying that the way they have taken care of business these first few weeks has been impressive, even though they haven't played much of anybody. And they look worlds better than Michigan State. Michigan State is a 20-point. When is the last time Michigan State was a 20-point dog? Which is, uh, it was the last year against Ohio State? I have no idea. Or probably 3-9 like, no, against Ohio State. Teens, I, think. I, mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think 3-9. I, I think it's wild. It's got to be 3-9. Well, they were, they were 14-point dogs to Michigan last year, and they didn't look obviously any better after that. I but Ohio guys, State didn't look better either. So I don't know. How does Michigan State win this game? I mean, turnovers. Is you, <laughs> right? <laughs> they, they, they throw the ball, and you hope to God that your players pick it up. I mean, that's really it because Ohio dire? State's defense has looked, yeah. Because Ohio's defense, Ohio State's, uh, excuse me, Ohio State's defense has looked great. 
granted they haven't played anybody uh really good they did bounce on cincinnati who was a good team last year well, let me see what they did this year i know they had a close game against somebody well, they, that they probably cincinnati shouldn't have out, they did at, after the seizure oh cincinnati beat ucla uh do beat marshall so Cincinnati's pretty much taking care of business in the other games, but they haven't really been against anybody, so Cincinnati's one of the better. It looks like group of five teams, um, as opposed to, or, yeah, group of five, group of five teams, and obviously they, they didn't do anything against Ohio State, so as good as they've looked, it's probably a little bit harder to judge Ohio State than it is some of these other teams. None of us think Nebraska's any good. Uh, obviously, they put the beat down on Indiana harder than Michigan State did, put the beat down on Miami of Ohio, and have absolutely taken care of all the business that they needed to. Their quarterback is playing great right now. The only, really the only hope is that they they run the ball and that you're able to stop it. You're able to contain Justin Fields as much as you can within the run and J.K. Dobbins as well, and you get some of those fumbles and you get some turnovers. Because if it's a game on either side where you know each team has only turned the ball over once, it doesn't really seem like there's a way that Michigan State is able to pull this game out. Even if Ohio State's defensive line isn't you know crazy across the board, they ha- they have you know the best defensive player in the country maybe in Chase Young, who you know he might be the number one pick. He might be the first non you know quarterback taken off the board in the NFL draft. And that's the guy that's going to wreak havoc on your offensive line, who even if they were fully healthy, couldn't contain them. And especially when they're not fully healthy, there's no way that they're going to be able to contain them. So, you know, kind of right there, you're giving part of your game plan away or what you think would be the most successful game plan for you, where we're going to go away from him. We're going to try and run away from him. We're going to try and roll out against him. But that only gives, you know, Ryan Day and the defensive staff at Ohio State know more ammo for them knowing they're going to try and neutralize him so this is the parts of the field they're going to attack and if we're able to take those away you know it's going to be easy sledding for us the biggest concern last week in the indiana game was there was a ton of open receivers when the quarterback was kind of under duress and when he needed to make a throw there was just a receiver kind of plopping open you know it was a cross body throws across the field throws and the receivers are running super open as opposed to just setting or as opposed to just like a set you know fly route where the receiver beats the cornerback and there are a couple of those uh, i know josiah scott got beat i think he he's the one that got beat on the touchdown is i think that was the only time he specifically got beat all game um but again it was for six and you don't want him getting beat at all especially not to indiana and then josh butler uh got beat a couple times and i don't know who the backup to Butler is, or who the third cornerback is, but whoever was third on the outside, he got beat a lot. Him and Butler did not have great games. Obviously, Scott got beat um, the one time, so not you know for six, not a really great game for him either. So if you're going to play like that, there's no way you're going to win. You just hope that your defensive line um, can get up, and D'Antonio is able to kind of coach those guys up as the spread. I heard on the radio at least earlier that the spread keeps moving up. So you're really hoping that he can play, you know, the disrespect card for kind of one last hurrah and one last real, real signature win um, for him and his program. But that's the only way, because other than that, there's no football reason why Michigan State should beat Ohio State. There are ways that Michigan State can stay in this game and possibly find a way to steal it. 
you need to keep Ohio State's offense on the sideline as much as possible. So that means long drives, and we need Lewerke to be the Lewerke of young, <laughs> not the Lewerke of old, where his legs are very much involved. His legs were very much involved in this last game with Indiana, which was promising to see because I we're going to need him. We're going to need him to imitate fields as much as possible in being dangerous with his legs as well with his arms. Only 50% of his passes completed last weekend. That's not going to get it done. You need that to be closer to the 70 number than the 50 number. You have to find ways to extend drives, keep our offense on the field, keep Ohio State's offense off the field, and not give them as many chances to score on us. Offensively, that's what the Spartans need to do. Whether you're mixing up the run plays with the pass plays or letting Lewerke just kind of dictate it offensively and run when he feels like it, get the extra four yards, keep the ball going forward, whatever he needs to do on that side. Defensively, it's crazy to say this with all the talk that was coming in defensively for the Spartans, but we need a semi-miracle. We need our secondary to play like the no-fly zone as best as they possibly can. Be opportunistic, break up balls, grab a couple picks, play, pull out some unbelievable moves because our line should be able to get some pressure even against this great offensive line that Ohio State's boasting. Our defensive line should be able to get some pressure and cause some problems. And if they can contain fields enough that our secondary can somehow enough get to the point of contact with the ball, with the receiver, break up enough passes so that they're not just scoring bombs on us, there is a way for the Spartans to keep this a game and stay in this. And you know that Mark loves these games and finds a way to have his team show up for these games. you got to think that we're going to see Michigan State's best effort by far this upcoming Saturday. They have to be smart with the football offensively. You have to find ways to extend drives. And defensively, you just need to do enough. I mean, the first thing you need is a monsoon. That would help. Hey, there, there, there does. might be one. I mean, this is what this is what Michigan State gets in big games. So somehow, D'Antonio sold his soul to the devil, and instead of getting an offensive coaching staff, he chose control of the weather. So whenever there's a big game, especially if they're an underdog, we get a monsoon. And you are very adept at playing in these, much more so than the teams you're usually playing against that are often more skilled than you. So this is important. You also need your defensive line to have a Denver Super Bowl game. You need them to just show out and ravage the Buckeyes front and preferably hurt fields. I mean, so, and I'm, I'm not even joking. If you hurt fields, what does Ohio State have behind him? They don't have anything. They don't have a quarterback. You, you hope not. But. They have nothing behind fields. So you hurt fields, get the game in a monsoon, drag it down to your level, get into a big fight, and then you got a chance in this game. Uh, if you don't hurt fields, you just got to beat the hell out of them all game. Your defensive line, that's it. Your secondary, regard, they can play the best game of their careers. They're not staying with Ohio State skill position players. I talked about this at the beginning of the year when everyone was touting Michigan State's defense. I said, I don't buy it. I got to see it first. Your front seven's real good. You got some experience coming back, but your secondary scares me. Nothing impressive about it. Well, your secondary's been an abject disaster this year on par to the interior of Michigan's defensive line. Uh, different positions, but same amount of disaster, same amount of terrible results in inopportune moments. Uh, <laughs> when you guys scored... And Indiana got the ball back with three minutes left. I'm like, all right, this game's over. No, they drove right down the field and scored a touchdown on you guys. Not good. Indiana's not they that good. They got a trash-ass pass interference call. But. 
So I and I do that was a sketch call, but still, point made. Sketch. He didn't touch him. You, your secondary has not been good. Two score win. And Ohio State has one of the most talented teams in the country. They have one of the most talented offensive minds in the country. They have a quarterback who has passed better than expected, but at the same time, it's not hard when you have insane athletic talent that is just getting open against everybody because you are way better than the secondaries you're facing. That's not going to change in this game. Those same guys are going to be open. Fields is still going to hit them if he gets time. Your defensive line has to own the day. It has to own this game. And if you get an assist from the weather, that will go a long way towards it. Ohio State's defense looked pretty darn good, but I'm not sold on them yet. The FAU, ironically, the first game of the season, had the most offensive success against them and really laid the groundwork for what you guys should be trying to do, especially using using Lewerke's mobility. And same thing I said last year eh, that you needed to do and then didn't do, although I'm not sure if anything last year's offense could have done to even have a prayer. But you got to spread them out a little bit. Uh, Ryan Day is not an offensive mind. Greg Madison is coaching that defense, and Greg Madison, as good of a line coach as he is, as decorated of a career as he's had in today's game, I don't think that Greg Madison is anything special as a defensive mind. He's been and seen a lot of things, but as far as uh, stopping a good attack, one thing that Michigan State's improved a lot this year is their offense. They're going to need to score to keep up. They're going to need to spread Ohio State out. Your defensive line controls the game. Your offense scores enough points. You have a chance to cover. So, yeah. I mean, it's, know about football. I mean, it's 20 points. And this is Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio has always played Ohio State tough. Mark D'Antonio. About, well, about every other year they play Ohio State t- tough. We actually talked about this before. We played them tough in 3-9, and nine, didn't we? We yeah, I think we lost seven six that year. I know me and but there were a couple other years where we, lost, where we got on bombed. Podcast, Nine to six in the third quarter last year came from Ohio state. And for whatever reason seems to have a unique pulse on their program, regardless of who the coach is. And he gets his teams to play better against them than football wise. They should. It doesn't mean you're going to win. doesn't even guarantee a cover, but Mark D'Antonio does seem to have a little bit of an edge there. I still buy that as much as he's lost ground on many things in the past few years. I still buy that he can get his team to play better against OSU than most other teams in the conference. I, I do I do subject to that a little bit. So can you get the play from your defensive line? Can they win the day? Can you score enough points? I, I don't know. It's going to be a wild game. But a 7.30 I mean, night game, realistically, baby. If you don't Is it a night game? game? If yep. you don't keep this game within 20 kick. points. Yeah. ESPN, ABC, one of them. If you don't keep this game within 20 points, where's your season headed? What I mean, it's over. Is <laughs> like I mean, it, if, a, if either team loses this, this year, it's over. Like, no, I'm just saying, what hope do you really have to beat teams like Michigan if you can't even Well, because Michigan's not, not nearly as good as Ohio State. And well, yeah, if we lose to Michigan, or if we lose to Ohio State, uh, well, regardless, really, if we win or lose, but more so if we lose, that's going to be the only focus of this year. Is to beat Michigan. So I think sad, I think whatever happens, but it's gonna happen. It's sad though. I feel bad for that. I don't like that. But it, it's this is a question. This is asked. Ryan wants to know. Oh, man. Yes.
So the first reaction we want and the first mans that we have up on our contestant board is Mr. Nick Wright of FS1. Made his fame off of loving LeBron so much and just giving you all the all the LeBron James stats you could ever ask for. But he's actually become a pretty respected Winhurst. analyst after all the, uh, you know, just involved in other things, especially football, who he seems to kind of have a same Patrick Mahomes love for. But this text take is not about Patrick Mahomes. It's actually about one Russell Wilson. And I know where, even though Dylan's not on the cast today, I know where he stands on this. I know where Paul stands on it as well. But Nick Wright said, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFC, and he's the most underappreciated and underrated football player year in and year out. I mean, that's absolutely my man. I've been screaming it forever. Before this season, I actually said, I think I said Russell Wilson's best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I would amend that a little bit, but still the best in the NFC. I mean, Russell Wilson is absolutely insane, and he is carrying that team. He's the only thing. Seattle has going for them right now, and they haven't looked great, but Russell Wilson is just an absolute machine. Yeah, I don't know if that's my man. I don't know how... Where's the underappreciation coming from? He's talked about every year. He has said every year that that team, since it's been garbage for the last couple years, he's all they have. The average fan doesn't even think he's a top five quarterback, which is just insanity. They, they might think he's top five, but most people probably don't have him ahead of Breeze. Who would be his really, and even though he's out now, would be his really only competition for best quarterback better, in the way NFC. Better. Oh, hang on. There's a guy in Green Bay See? that there plays it is. the no. NFC. Oh, Rogers too. So yeah, I'm stupid. I'm sorry, man. Well, no, hang on. I'm not saying. Oh, hang on. I'm not making that argument. Right, I'm right. saying no, yeah, it's not right. just I, Drew I Brees. There's Rogers. another NFC yeah. quarterback but, in that conversation by a lot of people. But above, the average fan would put them both ahead of. Well, yeah, the average fan has Aaron Rodgers as the greatest quarterback of all time. So it makes it no. Man had a year where he only threw for like two hey, interceptions Rod? the whole year, and that made him like the best of all time, apparently. Right. One Super Bowl win. Too far. The average fan on a, on a, on a team that had like nine wins on the season. Whatever. Look at the advanced stats. It had to be a wild card team to win, to win the <laughs> Super Bowl. They did it. Congratulations. So did the Giants. I ain't saying Eli's the greatest of all time. Far from it. But I think Russ gets plenty of respect. It's just that he has no weapons right now. You took all of his weapons away. And even when he had weapons, outside of Marshawn Lynch, he didn't really he's never really had great weapons as far as receivers. And he's Golden worked Tate with a sloppy like Golden Tate for a hot minute. Had him for what, three years? And then he was gone. And then he had Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was Jimmy a shell Graham of himself is, at yeah, that point. Because he didn't use him. Been right. a shell of himself. Now Jimmy Graham flourishing with Doug uh, Baldwin with, uh, my is man Aaron Rodgers. Doug Baldwin plays above his pay grade. Talk he's about a decent receiver, but he has Doug played Baldwin. really well with Russell Wilson. But he's not an otherworldly receiver. So good. So but he also had an otherworldly I don't know if that's my man's because I think Russell Wilson gets plenty of respect. That's such a weird way. I don't like. Do you the think way he's the best quarterback it. in the NFC, Matt? Was that? Do you think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFC? Over Breeze and Rodgers. Because that's more what the vein of the of the statement is. I, your cont your contention yeah, so, is on yeah, the Yeah, he's, he's saying that he's underrated and underappreciated because people have Rodgers and Breeze at him. How is that underappreciated when you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks because, of all time in Drew Brees? Because if you think that this man is the best quarterback in the NFC and there are people who place him third in the NFC alone, 
That's under how appreciation. Is it, but how are, is it a disrespect when the two names are Rodgers and Breeze do, do you that think he's, he's arguing against? Like, that's not disrespectful to me. Answer the we question. We are way getting caught up on semantics. Answer the question. I can't answer that question. Oh, I hate you so much. I plead the fifth. Ridiculous. This is absurd. I apologize for him derailing your segment, Ryan. Let's let's in get an, the next man in here. In an act of uh, in sleight of hand, this is actually a group of 53 men. The Baltimore Ravens, even though there's probably only a couple of them that said it. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens as a team came out and uh, posted a story with a video link saying Marlon Humphrey did not choke Odell Beckham Jr. when he had both hands around his neck in last Sunday's game. <laughs> I so first I will say this about Baltimore, but I, I guess they'll be my man. I, I don't even care if he choked him because Odell was wild and like a bitch that he is, and Odell should have been ejected long before the alleged choking incident, anyways. And uh, it's stupid, man. I mean, this is so dumb. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Odell's like the, taking cheap shots and running his mouth all goddamn game. He caught like, two friggin' passes. Like the opening paragraph of the story was like, Odell Beckham Jr. certainly punched Marlon Humphrey in the face. Literally. But contrary to popular I mean, belief, Marlon Humphrey did not me, choke I'm trying Odell to punch you in the face. No, no, before. <laughs> well before. No, he had, he had, he had, I can't remember what he did. He had a real dirty play on Humphrey earlier in the game, and then he punched him in the face before the alleged choking. And, I mean, you can watch the video and judge for yourself, but, yeah, these are my men. Screw OBJ. Okay. Do we know what Marlon was doing? Was he trying to go for his watch? He was trying to go for his uh, chain to keep the lead style. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, that's not my man. Sorry. You, you suck. We saw it. He's I'm sorry. So you're gonna weird. tell him what? There was no, there was no pressure <laughs> like, on his hands. He was. Just, it was just for pose. I was just posing. It was for a picture. Like, he had his hands for so long too. As <laughs> as beautiful. PR but hey, work, but, but good on the way. teammates, you know, for having their guys back. You know, having no, your man's back. It was the actual like team. Yeah. I it mean, wasn't you know, like the teammates. Right or wrong, like, your teammates like got your Twitter. back. That's good feeling. <laughs> it's like the team writer was like, actually, let's put this out. The next one is uh, one from. A man that I still love, Mr. Andrew Wiggins. Very disappointment, very disappointing. First overall NBA draft pick back in 20. I want to say 2012, maybe. No, 2014. I don't think it was 2012. It was 2014, Bennett. Regardless, it was whenever LeBron was coming back, because he said get rid of him. That's true. Yes, yeah, that's actually a very easy barometer. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> um, 20. Yes, 2013, maybe. Regardless. Uh, Andrew Wiggins said basically Tom Thibodeau stunted my growth. He did not name him by name. But he said something along the lines of my first three years, I thought I was on a real upward trajectory, you know, getting better every year. And if you look at the numbers, he's kind of right about that. And then uh, and then something changed. And what changed yeah, Jimmy Butler Tom took became president and coach of the team. And uh, he also added that coaching or that yelling and swearing is not necessarily good coaching. All right, this is absolutely not my punk ass bitch. Definitely did not grow up in America, man. I mean, this is just absurd. Andrew Wiggins has been an absolute disappointment since he entered the league. It's a goddamn good thing they didn't keep him in Cleveland when LeBron was there because he would have probably done cried himself out of the league if he had to deal with LeBron. And he doesn't want to take his coach swearing at him because he sucks because he's never taken control of a game in his entire life. He didn't do it in college. didn't do it anywhere. Uh, he's the most overrated prospect to come out of college in a long, long time. And 
There is a lot of those every single year. This man has done nothing but underwhelm, and now he wants to pin his development as the number one overall pick on a coach. It's just absurd. You can say what you want about Thibs, and yeah, he runs his players into the ground, but Thibs has developed plenty of really good players. You are a disappointment, and for you to try to scapegoat your coach is the most lame-ass bitch move coach I have anymore. seen in a long time. I mean, the man is averaging 20 points a game for his career. Cute. I mean, they ain't that much of a disappointment. Yeah, ask, a little ask disappointment. Timberwolves fans. Timberwolves have had trash-ass teams. Well, ask <laughs> them about great names, though. You'd think they'd latch on to anything good. I mean, look, this ain't my man's. Uh, Wiggins, I always felt, was done dirty with the Cavs and that whole situation. Being sent away right away because LeBron was coming in. He said, get rid of him. I want Kevin Love. And then you had Cat come in, so you're no longer the man on the team. You had Butler there, and we all know what Butler has done to teammates <laughs> and made them all cry. Uh, but you got to be tougher skin than this. I mean, you're supposed to be one of the premier talents, and you're not. And instead of owning it and doing something about it, you're bitching about outside noise ha- hindering it and hampering it. Uh, so, no, this is not my man's. My man's. I hate Tom Thibodeau. Wiggins forever. <laughs> Next one is Marcus Spears, who I don't know if he's on the NFL Network or ESPN now. Former player, turned football analyst is all you really need to know. Who said Montez Burfick needs to be kicked out of the NFL? Uh, absolutely not, my man. This is football. Uh, Montez Burfick, definitely a dirty player, and he has been fined and suspended a ton for it. This latest one was not even that bad. It wasn't even close to the worst hit of the weekend. His suspension is reputation-based. Not undeserved, but it's a reality. He'll appeal it. He probably won't miss the whole season. He'll probably miss like six games or something. We'll see what happens. Uh, No, he's not a player I'd love to have on my team. Yeah, he played a little bit out of bounds. But like Sue, he's been a lot quieter lately until this latest incident. He has tried to clean it up a little bit. (laughs) And you don't have to take this man's uh, living from him. He is at least attempting to get better. Okay, first of all, Dominican Sue and Vontez Burfecht have different histories when it comes to stuff they've done on the field. Number one. Number two, the Raiders named this man a captain. <laughs> because he's turned his image around. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> Look, this man should he's, absolutely he's, he's, No, this is my man's. Because this man should absolutely be out of the league because of what he's done to Antonio Brown. He has made Antonio Brown lose his damn mind. Can you think of anything Antonio Brown did before Vontez Burfecht hit him like he did? No. He was doing nothing but catch footballs. Ever since then, he's been catching a whole bunch of flack for a whole bunch of dumbass moves. And there is one common denominator. It all starts started with Vontez Perfect. Yeah, I don't I don't see a, a situation where the NFL misses Vontez Perfect. So that's that's my man's too, well, Mr. It's not Marcus. About missing him. I mean, come on. The next Let one, the Damon Snacks Harrison said the Lions will be back even after their disappointing loss against the Chiefs and that fans and for Paul, anyone that even questions his individual play needs to pick a side. Are you in or are you out on Snacks and the Lions? No in between. So I'm in on the literal of what he said, but I'm out on the spirit of what he said. Uh, he is my man as far as, yeah, pick a side. I, I really hate. Uh, Don does this all the time. I Just tell me what you think. And either you're with the team or you're not. And you can shut up after that, like whatever. But Snacks has been awful. 
the entire defensive line that we talked about that is getting paid a gazillion dollars. What are you talking about? Snacks leads the league in fumble recoveries. <laughs> That's because he was getting choked out on game one in touchdown. And for him to sit there and pop shots now, the way they've played, the way they've been ravaged, shut up, man. Go play the game. And I like Snacks a ton. It's not, I don't enjoy saying this, but now is not the time, man. Let your play speak. You can only play one out of three plays in the modern NFL. Shut the hell up and do your job, dude. Hey, you're always going to get this kind of reaction when a player tells fans, you know, stop booing us, pick a side, blah, 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 blah. But you got fans who is shelling out their hard-earned money to come watch this miserable product of a football team for decades. And all of that is going to continue to come out. This isn't a new thing in Detroit. And these fans are not brand new to the Lions. These are fans who have been beaten down like myself for years. And want to see something that's telling them that it's changing. And a player coming out and saying, you know, everything that he has said. We've heard this before from players. Rioli came out. Uh, Rioli, what is it? Uh, Dominic. Uh, help, uh, Ravioli. Riola, right? Rioli. Raiola, whatever, whatever his name was, he did the same shit about seven years ago, something like that, where he players are coming too. out and saying stuff. Exactly. So you're gonna get this when the team is not doing well, not performing to the way that we think they should, and we're shelling out all this money to come support this team. You're gonna hear it from the fans. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. This is not my man's in this case. This is my man's. He didn't just fall off a cliff, and we talked a little bit about the Lions earlier. Like I said, after four games, I did not have them at two wins. So just kind of on that alone, I do have to be uh, I do have to be in until they break my heart again. Next we have up uh, New, so we'll talk to not you New Jersey. That's right. <laughs> well, this next week's a bye week. I'll be real happy. Next we have Brooklyn Nets center DeAndre Jordan asking him if. Is there a way that you're going to change your game with, you know, spacing and big men shooting three-pointers now? No way in hell I'm changing my game. I'm 31 years old. Nobody's stopping me. This is what I get paid to do. This is absolutely my man's. DeAndre Jordan epitomizes the defense and dunk center of yesteryear and his wild athleticism and hard play has made him stand out his entire career. To ask a guy like that who probably doesn't even understand what a proper jump shot should look like to 31 years old just because the game's gotten out of control with Steph Curry syndrome, and now you think this is the kind of man that should be spacing the floor. That's stupid. What are we doing? Why are these the questions that we're asking? It's absurd. Let the man play his game. Okay. If all he's reacting to is being told about the whole spacing thing, then sure, this is my man's. But to say I'm 31 years old and I'm not going to learn any new tricks to put into my repertoire, no, this damn sure ain't my man. Because my Ooh. man's Kobe Bryant went down at 35 years old and learned new post moves from Akeem Olajuwon so that he could and do what, some things because he knew his him? body wasn't going the way that it once was. Yeah, so but, you can still add to your game. You ain't got to go learn a jump shot, but damn man, you could go hang out with Kevin McHale and learn a few pump fakes and some post moves. This is what this team needs DeAndre Jordan for is to be a paint presence that besides Jared uh, Allen, they don't really have. And I don't expect him and Jared Allen to get a whole lot of run together because then that does ex affect the space in the floor that you are trying to have. So for the backup center that you assume DeAndre Jordan is going to be, 
Unless they run him as a starter. I am absolutely all for it. The last one we have bringing up the rear. Uh, will not be bringing up in the rear on Saturday. Or in the Big Ten at the end of the year. Or even the national race as he ends his career on a national championship. Is Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio saying he doesn't categorize Chase Young as human. Of course, as the Chase Young, the Ohio State defensive end that we talked about earlier, who uh, every Michigan State fan and probably everybody on that Michigan State offensive line is scared to death of. Not my fans, as the great Rocky once said. I don't know, Matt, help me out. Something about blood. What? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I was like, it's not like, a Rocky which, which, which Rocky quote are we going for Rocky here? Rocky four. Rocky four. Um, if he dies, he dies? No, no, the blood. <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood? Dwight Gooden? Oh, man. You're going to make me look this up. <laughs> he bleeds the same blood as me. I don't know what blood thing you're talking about. Biggie said, why would I be scared of somebody that bleeds the same blood as me? He's not a machine. He's a man. See, he bleeds some shit like that that his trainer talked to him yes. about. Apollo's former trainer yes. after he made him bleed. Yes. I don't know what the hell he said. It wasn't Rocky that said it. <laughs> it was Apollo's former trainer. Whatever. He bleeds like the rest of us. Don't be a fish. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, this is my man's because you're talking about someone who is he hasn't played a full game yet. He's got eight sacks. He's got three fumbles, 17 total tackles. This man is a disruptor. And, yes, absolutely, they need to be focused on stopping him along with the rest of that defense that Ohio State's bringing to the table that has looked pretty damn good so far this year. Uh, D'Antonio is always complimentary uh, as long as you're not disrespecting him, and so that means he's never going to compliment Michigan. Uh, But he's always complimentary when in the position uh, to talk about some great players on the other side of the ball. And uh, this obviously is a great one that they really need to focus on and find a way to not let him disrupt what Lewerke and that offense is trying to do. So, yeah, this is my man's. Yeah, it's my man's. Chase Young, at least so far, has been everything that people talked about Jadavion Clowney being in college, except he's you know, pr- producing at that level. But hopefully we can stop it. And that will round out our segment of whose man's is this. Hopefully we can have some more of uh, for you guys, so we just have to get some more participation, but we're working on it. All right, we got our mans, we denied our mans, and now it's time to make the picks for our five college and five professional games to round out this show for the night. So, it Paul, time to make the picks. where I'm the excited. hell are we going? I'm excited because while we don't have everyone here, I do have all the picks. I got the picks everyone's making, so we're gonna have the full full five across the board. Uh, once again, by the way, last week, as is per norm. Not great on games that we all picked the same. One in three. Four games we were in lockstep, all five of us, and we went one in three in them. And this is a trend that has just been continuing. No one did great last week. Everyone was right around. Everyone went four and six except me. I went three and seven. So Try Ryan, to give you guys a chance. Ryan's still in the lead. Me <laughs> bringing up the rear and the rest. Of it, it's still pretty close. Uh, gap's not huge. I mean, it is early in the season. So we'll see what happens. Ryan is exactly 500 on the season. Good for the lead. And fittingly, Matt, I just want to point this out, is a nice 420 average on the season. Yeah. I'm an eighth you know, place Eastern listening to team, a baby. bunch of national ones, everyone's kind of been sucking this year as far as overall picks. It, like, yeah, there's a lot been, of stuff that's happened. It, it's been like no national pundits are doing well either. Obviously, <laughs> so it ain't just us, is, folks. 
one thing that I would like to point out, and this is, we always try to pick the best games every week, just the best games. And we don't pick games that if we were betting that we would bet them. We try to pick the best games. And those games should be the hardest to pick because they should be the closest games with better teams. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to little self-defense right there. I'm going to let Ryan start this week because he is in first place. We'll do Ryan and then Matt. And I'll, of course, announce Don and Dylan's picks. Uh, the first game, sticking in college as normal, we got University of Central Florida traveling to Cincinnati. We've actually spent a decent amount of airtime this year talking about these two teams for various reasons. UCF's a four-point favorite on the road. I think I got to go with UCF here, if only to discredit the Ohio State win of Cincinnati even more uh, to give me a little bit more hope as Saturday night rolls around. Let's go Golden Knights. Yeah, this one's tough because I think Pittsburgh exposed a few things, and now you got to figure out is Pittsburgh a better team than Cincinnati? I do think Pittsburgh's a little better team than Cincinnati. Uh, I do think Cincinnati will keep this a ball game. Do I think they're going to cover a four-point spread and be within a field goal? They're at home. They are at home. It's not cold yet, though, so the weather's not going to help them. The nighttime supposed to be in the mid seventies. It's going to be. It's, it's right now. It's showing low as seventy-two on Friday. They will not. They will not be playing on a black field, at least not this Friday. No, they're no. in Cincy. No, I know that. He's not talking about that since he's changing their field. Yeah, I know. It's not done. Yet. I, just said yeah. this. Uh, I really want to pick the Bearcats in this one. Pick them, pussy. You're gonna goad me into it. Ex- expand my I'm lead. Trying to, <laughs> trying to follow Ryan's lead you here. You said you want to pick them. <laughs> I do want to pick them. Uh, eh, screw it. Yeah, why not? Let's go with the let's go with the Bearcats. All right, Dylan said, despite the new field, he is also taking UCF. Uh, Don's picks for those of you that don't know this week, which is probably everybody listening. Uh, his son William <laughs> helped him with the picks this week. Well, William knows if he's listening, probably shouldn't be. Dropped way too many f bombs. But uh, not this week. Don let his son help him with the picks this week. I believe Don him. has Cincinnati, and I'm just gonna assume his son liked the colors better. Uh, I have UCF. Uh, don't feel strongly either way in this game. UCF did get exposed a little bit, but I don't think Cincinnati's very good at all. Uh, I think UCL is just really bad, and I think this is a little bit of a turnaround game for UCF. I think they're going to try to come, and they haven't lost the game in quite a while, and they're going to try to turn around and make a big statement this week and open it up a little bit. We travel to definitely the game of the week in college football land. Uh, we got Iowa traveling to and how? And said, what do you mean how? <laughs> Again. What? what? What do you mean? You Auburn, Florida. You think fraud-ass Florida that shouldn't even be in the top 20 is something about fraud-ass Michigan? Better game? Are you out of your mind? All right, Ryan. As two better teams, whatever. Ryan's full yeah, just like Michigan had the game of the week against um, Wisconsin too. <laughs> Iowa travels to Ann Arbor. Very big game. We spent a lot of airtime on this, so picks will do. So, like I said earlier, I do think the game is going to be a dogfight. I do love that I'm getting that half-point hook for Iowa instead of, you know, three. It's three and a half. With that, I will pick the Hawkeyes because even if they don't win the game, I don't expect Michigan to win by more than a field goal. Uh, Last chance, Wolverines. Prove me right. I'll roll with you. You prove me wrong. I'm done with you. So, let's go Michigan. Dylan says the Hawkeyes are going to seal the deal on game day next He's calling a flat-out win. Yeah, he's calling a flat all win. And even if they win. Going to Iowa. It still ain't going there. (laughs) Uh, Don thinks game day's not going to Iowa because, of course, he, him, and his son, William, have Michigan covering the spread. And I do as well. And then we travel to Ryan's game of the week. A true game of the week. A 330 kick. 
First afternoon game. Perfect kick year. time. Seventh ranked Auburn travels to the fraud of all frauds this year. Tenth ranked Florida hosting Auburn. Three point dogs at home. Quarterback Philippe Frank still out. I don't even think is he coming back this year? I think he's done for the season. Right? No idea. I don't know. They suck. Does it matter? So it doesn't, no, it doesn't <laughs> matter at all. I, honestly, uh, what's his name's been pretty darn solid in relief, anyways. Yeah, good old what's his name. <laughs> Auburn, Florida, a.k.a. the Cam Newton and Tim Tebow Bowl. Newton, of course, backing up Tim Tebow until he got uh, he got kicked out of school or transferred, something along those lines. He had the laptop with his name painted on it. I do think Auburn is a much better team than Florida. Auburn has been one of the most impressive teams so far this season. So with that, I will go with the Tigers to go into the swamp, get the win, cover the three points. Uh, and really just kind of make the whole college football world go crazy, especially if some of those teams above them, <coughs> Ohio State, uh, end up falling. Uh, expect Auburn to get a big boost in the polls next week. So that Felipe Frank's backup's name is Kyle, Kyle Trask, Trask, who's completed over 77% of his passes. <laughs> not bad for five touchdowns and two picks. Uh, not going to matter against uh, this Auburn team that's just on fire right now. Uh, I don't see a letdown happening from the Tigers on this one. So war, mother fracking eagle. Don, I think, is going to be the lone dissenter on this one. He is picking Florida. Uh, Dylan is on that Bo Nix train, as usual, getting the swamp drained out from under. I'm all over Auburn. I mean – Auburn might not be as good as they're being touted right now, but Florida is the absolute fraud of frauds in this college football season. And there are a bunch of frauds, but Florida is the absolute largest offender. Kyle Trask has played admirably in Felipe Frank's absence, but it's not going to matter. Auburn is such a better team than them. You take Auburn in a landslide on this one. In what should be a very different game, we got Texas, Big 12 Number 11th ranked Texas, an 11-point favorite on the road in West Virginia. I love Texas. I love Sam Ellinger. This is why the Longhorns are going to show that game day, regardless of the outcome of Pence, or regardless of the outcome of Michigan, Iowa, excuse me, why game day will absolutely uh, be at the Red River rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma because Texas is going to blow the doors off West Virginia. They're going to lay the 11 points. They're going to win by three scores. In the words of the illustrious Tom Herman, okay, cool, hook him. Yeah, Dylan is on that Texas train as well. He said, West Virginia doesn't have – is this me or is this Dylan's bad English? Read it is Dylan's bad English. <laughs> what is he saying? I don't know. Is the guy's first name Hans? Is that what he meant to say instead of fans? I don't think so. I don't know what he's. Th- I can't. I can't. I so I'm pretty sure Dylan was just taking a shot at Holgerson, uh, West Virginia's coach, um, but he didn't English very properly, so I, I can't get it out. To Texas people. as WVU doesn't have fans. Holgerson's confused, open mouth stare to save them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> he picked Texas. That, but he picked <laughs> Texas. He picked Don, Texas. Don picked Texas as well, and that makes this a clean sweep for Texas. West Virginia. Got just deep hands by Missouri, the same Missouri team that opened the season with a loss to freaking Wyoming. West Virginia is not a good football team. Texas on the is a pretty darn solid football team, and they should just absolutely ravage them. But as the case has been known, since we have all picked Texas, probably going to end up a close game. 
what a ten point win. That'd be painful. Be, oh, that would be painful. What according to Vegas will not be a close game is Ohio State, Michigan State. We've got two top twenty-five ranked teams, barely, but still, Michigan State is in the top twenty-five at number twenty-five. Ohio State in that last playoff spot, according to the AP poll. They're twenty-point favorites in Columbus over Michigan State. Game opened at number seventeen. It's been climbing. Everyone is on Justin Fields in Ohio State. We spent a lot of time on this game too. What's what's going on here? Twenty points. The the real game of the week. No, uh, if this team, if this Michigan State team has any pride at all, they'll go ahead and they'll cover the twenty points. I do feel good about that, being that this is Ohio State's real first true defensive test. Um, other than that, I don't expect Michigan State to win, but if they do pull it off, then Mark is the greatest coach of all time. I do think that he gets his boys up enough for this one to go ahead and keep it more respectable than 20 points. Just lose by two touchdowns. In the words of the illustrious baddest man on the planet, a.k.a. Iron Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And Kenny Willekes and Joe Batchy, they're going to punch him in the mouth, and the Spartans are going to cover this spread. Dylan does not think so. Dylan said Ohio State is going to murder Mark and guarantee the dawn of Fickle. He's referring to, of course, Cincinnati coach Luke Fickle, who he would apparently like to see take over for Mark, which I don't think that was his guy before. Maybe it was. I no, he, he wants, he wants Iowa people. State's guy. Yeah, he's yeah he Matt wants Campbell, Matt Campbell. Who isn't coming to MSU, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, we'll let that one slide. I don't uh, want either one of them. Don Bob Stoops, come also, on down. Of course, Matt Campbell, who loses the Baylor. This is uh, unless William is just Don reincarnate, these picks do feel like Don's. Don also picked Ohio State to roll. Um, like he told him. He's like, pick Ohio State. <laughs> you can't pick them Spartans. Uh, I, I got Michigan State covering this one. I mean, I, I don't know where the heck the season goes from here if you don't cover this. Uh, you still have everything to play for. Your defense has got to keep you at least in this game. Your offense is improved. So last year, what it was 9-6 in the third quarter, I think, against Ohio State, and then Ohio State just pulled away. You're going to score more than six points. I certainly hope you're going to score more than six points. I mean, please, don't do this to me. Because not only will it be painful from a Michigan State perspective, but I, I don't want Ohio State to look that good. I, I want to have at least some hope going into the end of the season. But no, I, I think Michigan State has a recipe to at least keep it within 20. I mean, is that really going out on a limb? This spread is just wild. And with that, we close our college picks. And we are almost done. We just got to get through five more picks, guys. Shooting over to the NFL. And we talked a bit about Russell Wilson today and Russell Wilson's been really good but his team struggled a little bit but they're a one and a half point favorite over the LA Rams who yeah they struggled a little bit last week against a, a real surprising team and this game opened the Rams were favored by one and a half this is three points the other way Seattle is now favored yeah neither team has looked super impressive this year the Rams may be a a little bit better, uh, but they just gave up 55 points to the Buccaneers. I do think that that is a little bit of an outlier. I expect them to get back to, you know, not giving up half a century on the scoreboard. The Seahawks, the only reason that I would feel good about this game is it's at home, but they did lose to the Teddy Bridgewater Saints at home. So for that reason, and really that reason alone, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Los Angeles Rams, who are still my pick to come out of the NFC. And I do think that this game will go uh, a long way in giving them their confidence back. At some point in this game, 
Seattle's going to face a fourth and one and decide to go for it. And for whatever reason, Pete Carroll's going to decide to have Russell Wilson throw a 25-yard bomb, <laughs> just like he did with the Saints, when all you got to get is three freaking feet. And so because Pete Carroll is going to out-cute himself, I think the Rams will cover this spread. It is so fitting that you say that because Dylan's verbatim was Seattle after Pete Carroll stops wilding out. Don also thinks Pete Carroll is going to run the ball on fourth and one and convert, and he is taking them to cover. I'm on the Rams train, man, and I know it seems like a weird place to be after last week's abomination against Tampa, but Tampa has those games. They have one every year. They did it against the Saints last year. They have the offensive talent. Some crazy stuff happens. I'm going to go with Wojo's up-down theory here a little bit, and I think the Rams are going to come out a lot better this week. You know Sean McVay is really working on that offense, trying to get it back in sync. Jared Goff isn't as good as people think he is, but he's going to be good enough to a team that is just a lot more complete than Seattle is. I think the odds makers had this right originally, and I am definitely going to take the Rams if you're giving me points to do so. And now we're heading to what I think is the hardest game to pick this week. We got Chicago traveling to the black and silver Oakland Raiders while they're still in Oakland. We got Gruden's boys. They're four and a half point dogs at home. Yeah, I don't like this game even a little bit. Not at all. But, I don't know. Chicago is, they've looked better since only scoring three points in week one. They still do have Chase Daniel, but it's not like Oakland is really impressed. They beat, obviously, Jacoby Brissett, another backup last week. Probably a better backup than Chase Daniel. Four and a half is a lot. I, I'll go with Oakland. I do expect Chicago to win the game, but I can't say they comfortably win by, you know, five points. You know, weird things happen when you start trying to play football on a baseball diamond, and just like the Chicago baseball teams, they're going down in flames. Give me the Raiders. Sorry, I'm just trying to find Dylan's pick for this. My, I gotta scroll. Oh, who do you think Dylan picked? Yeah, what are you I, talking I about? He, he actually, I'm pretty sure, picked Oakland. Yeah, Oakland riding an offensive high while Roquan is in witness protection. Ah, there we go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was. My stuff was jammed up. Let's try to scroll through it. Yeah, so Dylan did pick Oakland. It's pretty. Roquan Smith, what the hell is going on, dude? I don't know. The the internet internet streets are buzzing. It's a buzzing, but this is wild. Like, he's, he's out of the team. The team just keeps saying personal reasons. I mean, this is 2019. I mean, if athletes cannot walk down the street without having everything on film and TMZ. And, and this is crazy to me that this, whatever is going on, and we have no idea. Like, we are completely in the dark. Probably something real late at night. Only two him and, the you know, Chicago. one, one two, one, two other people. So. There are no cameras. Protecting him. Well, I'm saying if they were like, hey, like you pay us the money for the ticket or even a little extra under the table and we won't, Don, we won't Don file it. Chicago in this game. But I'm with you three, my podcast mates here. But again, I don't feel good about it. this. Was I, I? This was the only game that I didn't pick before we did the cast, and I it could really go either way. I actually think, from a throwing perspective, Chase Daniels is an upgrade. Uh, he definitely is more at least consistent with his ball. Does he have the same arm talent? No, he doesn't. But consistency is king, especially in the offense that they're trying to run up there under Nagy. It, it's just it's a weird spread. I think Oakland, I still believe they're better than people think. I got to pick Oakland. The four and a half points is going to be the difference maker for me, and hopefully it's a close game. But I can also see Oakland getting shut out. Oof. The next game was not as hard for me to pick, but it 
does have the most potential to make me look silly. We have Ryan's boy Lamar Jackson traveling to whoa, Pittsburgh. Whoa. Basically a battle of backup caliber quarterbacks. But Baltimore's <laughs> favored by three and a half in this one. Man, Stafford got traded to Pittsburgh? <laughs> so, as far as Steelers-Baltimore, I do not trust this Ravens defense at all. Have given up over 500 yards in back-to-back games. What a weird and I know that the... I knew I know the Steelers have given up, right? I know the Steelers are on their backup quarterback, but they still got offensive weapons all over the field. You saw Jalen uh, Jalen Samuels have a bit of a coming out party on Monday night. Granted, that was against the bad Bengals, uh, but still another guy that they can add to their repertoire. Still have James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, they have Deontay Johnson or something like that, who got a nice little pep talk from Schuster and then caught a long touchdown. Um, I don't, so I don't, I don't trust the defense to hold anybody to where the offense doesn't have to win in a shootout. And for that reason, I will take the Steelers in this game uh, in Heinz Field. Yeah, give me the fighting Mason Rudolphs, baby. Going with them, going with them Steelers. Right, this I don't actually trust that Ravens defense either, which is so right. weird to say when you talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Dylan, that defense Dylan, has been so bad, Dylan bro. Dylan is so picking bad. Pittsburgh, and his reasoning is that Lamar is bullshit, as Ryan already knows, and. I do second that. Don is also on the Mason Rudolph train. And, you know, Christmas is coming. So I'm all I'm all aboard, Rudolph. Uh, the thing is, for me, <sighs> Pittsburgh's only going to keep getting better. Their defense really stepped up. And I know I know, the Bengals are bad, but they do have Real offensive bad. talent. The defense is really starting to come along. And the offense is only going to get better every week. Mason Rudolph got thrown into this thing. Now they're starting to game plan to him. They're starting to get him more involved and comfortable with the offense playing every week. Uh, I really like the kid. No, he doesn't have the ceiling or the arm talent that Big Ben had. But he, he's going to play a mostly mistake-free game, and they're going to tailor the offense to him. Ryan already said Baltimore struggled to stop anybody. Uh, you get – and one of the things – not the tower. You guys know I love my Michigan boys. But one thing I think will be huge in this is the – play of the linebacking unit for the Steelers, especially Devin Bush, flying around side to side on the field. Lamar Jackson is going to struggle with that. They're going to cover well. They're going to be able to shut down running lanes. They're going to be able to contain on the edge, stop Lamar from beating him with their legs. And this is a huge, huge game in the AFC North now, a division that has really been disappointing, that a lot of people looked at as one of the best in football at the beginning of the year, and pretty much all the teams have disappointed to an extent. Baltimore beat up some cupcakes in the beginning of the season. That's not the case anymore. They have to play some real teams. This should be a real good game. And like I said, this has the ability to make us look silly. And all five of us pick Pittsburgh, so great chance that that happens. But I don't know how you pick Baltimore in this game. Another fun fact, Mason Rudolph doesn't have any of the raping talent that Big Ben has either. That was There we go. And that should be stricken from the record. <laughs> what will not be stricken from the record is the result of this next game, which I believe most of us are hoping is a Green Bay loss as they travel to the fighting Kellen Moores. Dallas, three-and-a-half-point favorite despite their abysmal output against the Saints. Yeah, there's that, that half-point hook again. I, I don't know. I was big on Green Bay before the season, and then I kind of adjusted my expectations when I looked at the schedule. This was one of the games that I had them losing. I, I don't see how I can have them uh, at least not getting within the three. Um, Dallas has come back to earth a little bit. Again, not a good outing against the Saints. Granted, it was, it was on the road, right, in the Superdome. So maybe they get a little bit more juice at home. 
Um, but ah, the Green Bay offense looks so bad too. So I don't know. Actually, no, give me Dallas. The Green Bay offense, or I'm sorry, the Green Bay defense, their rush defense looks so bad. And now you're going to have a mobile quarterback in Dak, uh, one of the better running backs in the NFL, Zeke, who's still waiting to have his breakout game. And I do think that this is the game that they have it. So give me the Cowboys in this one. Cowboys are full of gold. They made their living off of playing really, really, really bad teams before the Saints. Combined record of one and eight were their opponents before they faced the Saints this season. Uh, so it's give only because me... the Cowboys beat them. <laughs> no, badass teams. Uh, give me the Packers. Dylan has Dallas on a rebound. Don has the same. I'm sticking with Matt on this one. I'm I'm on the Green Bay train here. Uh, Dallas is a better team. Dallas is at home. Three and a half points, a big number. Green Bay coming off what really was a debacle on Thursday night against Philly. Just embarrassing. I mean, you get four times from the one-yard line. You don't run a single running play with your best Adams receiver, might not play, though. Your best receiver out of the game. I mean, that's absurd. I expect not so much shenanigans this game. If Green Bay can't go down there and keep this game, if they lose by more than three, I mean, this is not good. It's not bode well for their season. I hope they lose. I certainly hope they lose this game. If they lose by two, that'll be freaking perfect for me. Good story. Uh, we just talked about the disappointing AFC North. The third disappointing team from the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, has been all over the map this year. And they're traveling to take on the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. 49ers, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And I bet at the beginning of the season before any games were played, the spread would have looked a lot different. So Baker Mayfield was saying, keep that same energy when you were trashing the Browns. I was trashing the Browns. I will not keep that same energy. I do expect the Browns to go in and make work of this fraud 49ers team. Miles Garrett's going to give Jimmy Garoppolo a hell of a day, and Baker will play well enough uh, that his offense will be able to you know, kind of pace him up to get that uh, that three and a half point cover. Oh, there's to be some frauds in the bay, all right, but it ain't the ones in the red and gold. It's the ones in the orange and the brown. Them frauds coming the West in about Coast to get bias. exposed by Jimmy G, by Breda, by Moster, by Kittle, by whoever the hell the wide receivers are for San Francisco. Marquise Goodwin, baby. <laughs> the Niners. Dylan says that San Fran is off a bye. Freddie Kitchen's going to be over his head again. Colin Cowherd is going to be half-staffed during this game, and he is taking the 49ers. Don agrees with him. I'm backing my boy Ryan here. And listen, you talk about frauds. I mean, Cleveland's already had their up-down or whatever. San Francisco, I don't want to call him a fraud because I mean, you win the games on your schedule, and they're not out here telling themselves like they're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're just taking care of business, and that's fine. But Cleveland is on a big rebound right now. They got to keep it going again. And there's a ton of these key numbers this week. This is another three and a half point spread. Now, I actually expect Cleveland to win this game outright. But if they don't, man, you got to yes, you know, lose by three or less. Hey, I'm all aboard Cleveland on this one. Baker rebound for sure. And that concludes our picks this week. Pray to God that I win at least seven of them. I gotta make a comeback. Man, that's a that's a ten and zero record. That's crazy. I gotta have a (laughs) big week right here. I gotta have a big week right here. Ryan, give him the deets. Whoa, whoa. So follow us as always. 
on Twitter at Sports Carnage, on Facebook at Sports Carnage Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes and on Podbean, wherever you listen to it. Make sure you like, rate, subscribe, comment, share. Tell your grandma about it. Tell your grandpa, tell your uncle, your aunt. Tell everyone at the art gallery that you go to and at the library. Sports <laughs> Carnage is here. Yeah, yeah. Dylan, hurry up and get moved in. We miss you for Paul Roshan, for Ryan Griffin, for the absent Dylan Bear. I'm Matt Basson. We're Sports Carnage. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll talk to you all next week.